The Lifestylist, episode 197, featuring John J. Quish. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Doing a podcast that focuses much of the time on health, it of course makes sense that I get a lot of questions from people about how to improve their mental performance and function. So everybody wants to know about the new smart drug and the new nootropic and the new fancy thing. And there are some things on the market that work, but there's one thing that's quite old, my friends, that works very well, and that's called lion's mane mushrooms. And my friends over at foursigmatic.com have created not only one of the most potent and legit lion's mane mushroom products, but also one that tastes really good and is really easy to use. Now, they've also snuck a couple other things in there to help its effectiveness, such as organic peppermint, rose hips, rhodiola root, and even a hint of stevia. Now, this one is going to knock your socks off. So if you want brain and nervous system support, if you want an all-natural cognitive enhancer, This stuff's been scientifically proven to boost your memory and concentration. So you can use this when you're doing things like recording a podcast intro or promo, such as I'm doing now, studying, reading, writing, or just chilling out. Uh, You don't actually have to be using your brain a lot to take lion's mane. It just makes you feel good. It's amazing stuff. So if you want to check this out, what you want to do is this. Get over to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. That's foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. If you use the code over there in your cart known as Luke story, you're going to save 15% off your lion's main elixir. So that's foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. Save 15% with the code Luke story. Let's talk about one of the most badass health products in the world and one that I use quite literally every day, especially when I travel. So Organifi is how I upgrade my nutrition when I'm on the road. Now, every single person should have a green superfood supplement in their life because if you're anything like me, you got to be honest with yourself. Like, are you actually eating enough vegetables, enough greens? Probably not as much as we might need. So, you know, who has time to like run to the farmer's market and get fresh organic vegetables and greens and juice them and all that stuff. I mean, it's lovely if you, you know, you can roll like that, but let's face it, it's hard to do that at home, let alone when you travel. So that's why I love Organifi. They've got a green juice powder that is legit delicious. It's super easy to mix up. It's not all clumpy and goofy. You know, some powders you try to throw in a, you know, in a glass and strum with a spoon and it won't work. That totally sucks when that happens. It's super annoying. So I love Organifi and you can find everything they do over at Organifi.com forward slash Luke. If you use the code Lifestylist, you're going to save 20% off your order. That's Organifi with an I. Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Good place to start is the green powder, man. Organifi Green is legit, delicious, super good for you, super energizing, and very easy to travel with if you get the little travel pack. So Organifi.com forward slash Luke is where you want to go. 
My name is Luke Story. This is the Lifestylist Podcast. And this episode of the show with Dr. John J. Quish, PhD, was recorded on location at OsteoStrong in West LA. If you're in the neighborhood, go say what's up to my friends Sarah and Robert over there. I've done some presentations and a lot of working out over at that place. You can also watch not only this interview, but a training session with John, who totally works me over on the OsteoStrong devices as well as the X3 bar. You can see that over at YouTube. John Jaquish is the inventor of the most effective bone density building medical device, which has reversed osteoporosis for thousands of people. He's also now partnered with Tony Robbins and OsteoStrong for rapid clinic deployment. That means there might be one of these locations near you sometime soon. He also invented this device called the X3 bar, which I'm completely obsessed with. The research indicates that this product builds muscle much faster than conventional lifting and does so in less training time, all with the lowest risk of injury. So I'm currently really into this thing. I've got one in my backyard right now. And uh, it's great because you can do it outdoors in the sun. I'm not a big gym person. If you've listened to this show, you might have figured that out. I do like to stay fit. What I like about this X3 bar is you work out super, super hard for like 10 or 15 minutes and it just completely smokes you. But I got to say, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think I'm actually growing muscle maybe for the first time in my entire life, which is very exciting. So uh, we're going to be talking to John about these insane, uh, insanely effective inventions that he's come up with. Some other things we talk about on today's show is John accidentally creating the world's greatest strength training device, the long and difficult process of creating a business around a physical product, the traditional Western medical solutions to treating osteoporosis versus the osteostrong devices, how the four spectrum devices work with all four positions in which our bodies absorb high impact forces, the knowledge gap between exercise science and applied exercise, how our environment and diet affects our bone health, how to feel as good as you feel on vacation without going anywhere, why training your body at OsteoStrong gives you such a strong high. And let me tell you what it does. Every time I go to that place and run through their whole circuit, I leave just completely lit. It's magical. Uh, John then debunks a lot of uh, physical training myths, like the problem with weight training. He also talks about how exactly the X3 works and how you use it, which is really important because if you just look at this thing, you're like, what is that? But once again, you hear him describe it or watch the video of him training me on it. It's pretty insane. How to become fracture-proof, the software device that will help you gamify your bone workouts. And just as a spoiler alert, the reason the bone strength is so important, I mean, it's what you're kind of made of. But if you want to build muscle and your bones are weak sauce, it's very difficult. So we talk a lot about that. The 70 cities and six countries in which you can currently find Dr. Jake Wish's bone strengthening devices. And then finally, dispelling the most dangerous myths about fitness and strength training. And this is perhaps my favorite part of the interview because John is like such an insane personality. He is super funny, super enthusiastic. Um, this is like a hyped episode. So I'm really excited. Make sure you listen to the end because that's when we get into all this stuff. He blew my mind with all of these misconceptions I had about you know, the things that you do in the gym and which ones aren't actually doing anything. And just, there's a lot of myths. It's pretty cool. Uh, make sure you check out next week's episode, Next Level EMF Protection, Harmonizing with Scalar Waves featuring Mark Langdon. A lot of people are really concerned with EMF. 
I've been using these devices called a Blue Shield for a while, and they've really helped um, mitigate some of the negative effects of EMF in my home, car, and on my body, especially while flying. And I finally tracked down the inventor, Mark Langdon, and that is an insane episode. It's next, next Tuesday. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss that. And then April 11th, I'll be doing an event at Soho House's Little Beach House Malibu. You can get into that maybe if it's not um, already full at lukestory.com forward slash events. And after this interview, I'm guessing you're probably going to want to check out this X3 bar. As I said, I'm really, really into this thing. Super fast, super effective. Uh, If you are, you can go to x3bar.com and enter the code Luke and save 50 bucks off this bar. So as, as always, I really try to push for a discount from our guests. And John was, was uh, kind enough to do that for us. So that's x3bar.com. Use the code Luke and save yourself 50 bucks. All right, let's jump into this. If you're someone who wants to get in shape or you're in shape, you're someone that's spending time in the gym and you don't think you're getting anywhere or you want to get there faster, this is the episode for you. Thanks again to my friends over at Osseo Strong West LA for lending me the location. And thank you so much to my really enthusiastic and brilliant guest, Dr. John Jaquish. Enjoy the show. John Jaquish, welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for having me. I'm having a great time already. The people listening to the podcast don't get the added benefit of the fun banter that goes on sure. before. I, yeah. I sometimes wish I just click record and we just ease into the conversation. You could have done that. So the people yeah. watching on Instagram and Facebook Live, they see all the fucking around that happens before yeah, the yeah, actual yeah. quote end quotes interview. Sure. Uh, but we were just talking about the, the differences in our in our drinking habits and um, yeah. why I don't drink and you limit yours. Yeah. Yeah, man. So here we are. We're here at Osteo Strong in West LA. We're definitely going to be talking about that. This is one of my favorite places in this city. Uh, there, are places, there are places like this that keep me anchored to Los Angeles. Every time I want to move, I'm like, ah, but what about Osteostrom? Ah, what about just float in Pasadena? You know, what about yeah, my yeah. Kundalini yoga studio? There's so, sure. many, there's so many resources here yeah, yeah, yeah. that have become part of my lifestyle. It's fun to be here doing something other than working out, 100%. but we're going to do that afterward. Yeah. So before we get started and get your background and really dive in, what's new and exciting in your life right now? All kinds of things. X3 is really taking off. I think when you come out with a product and we'll get into you know what that is, but it's just a very different way of looking at strength. And now to to re, well, and, and this is very common. We're gonna talk about this too. When you talk to exercise scientists, they go, Yeah, that's that's fantastic. It's kind of obvious. Why have but why haven't we done that? It's with variable resistance, but most people who believe lifting weights is the best thing you can do to gain strength. This is just like an alien idea or it's crazy. And so I got a lot of negative uh, feedback from the potential customer. A lot of people were just, they thought I was just a crazy person for launching such a product. But then they started to see the results, not just out of me, but out of some of the users. And I've got a group of... uh, 2,500 raving fans. Actually, I don't have a group. They started their own Facebook group. Are you part of that? No, oh, that's the, cool. The Facebook For the users X3? group. Yeah, X3 oh, cool. Bar Facebook users group. Yeah, these guys are uh, totally all about X3 in their strength training. And because they're basically all pure converts, there's a couple guys who still do a few other little things, mostly to keep sports specific. But they switched over and they've seen gains. I get a guy sent me some pictures yesterday. He said, 
I've got, I've got more out of 12 weeks of using X3 from a muscular gain and fat loss perspective than I have in 20 years of lifting weights. So obviously, shit. this guy's not a kid. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, and, and so uh, it, now that those things are starting to come out and people are starting to see it, they're like, oh, well, I guess that it is. It's a bizarre approach. But I mean, hey, remember when Steve Jobs said, we're going to take all the buttons off the phone. It's just going to be a piece of glass. There's only one guy... And I remember this guy. I've met this guy. He's a writer for the Wall Street Journal, uh, Walter Mossberg. He's the only guy that said this is going to be a smashing success. Everyone else is like, Apple's going out of business as soon as they launch that phone with no buttons. Right. But it clearly worked. So that's as did. So that's the mine. big news is that's just starting to to mushroom it's really out. It's just yeah. going crazy. At what point? At what point do you start making real money at something like that? Once you've you know gone through the different prototypes and the development and, and running your patents through and all of that stuff. When do you start to go, wow, holy shit, I'm rich? Or is that not, <laughs> has, has that not happened right. yet? I'm a pretty low maintenance dude. So I, I, could, I could live in a tent. I wouldn't care. Uh, so uh, rich is relative. But what I will say is uh, at first, I always thought that reversing osteoporosis, creating the osteostrong medical devices was where the sort of real money was. And then, and then I ended up, Based on the osteostrong research, that's where I developed X3 because I made some observations with human capabilities in optimized sort of impact-ready ranges of motion. And then when I saw these impact-ready ranges of motion, just how powerful people were, I thought, wait a minute. If people are seven times stronger in a stronger range than they are in a weaker range, then when we lift weights, we're really leaving a lot of untapped resources untapped. Like they're just not being accessed. What if we could fatigue the muscle in a way where we, we could change the weight through the movement? And people had thrown bands on bars before, but that was like X amount of weight on your chest and 1.1X at extension. Whereas I'm looking for X amount of weight on your chest and 5X at extension. So a much, uh, much more profound force going through that muscle but that is in accordance or very close to the actual curve of strength that you have in your in your natural motion. It's it's that's why it's it's just really started to take off, and it's been the coolest ride. And uh, I guess to answer your question, it made it made money right out of the gate. It was it was a great product, and but now it's it's really growing the company and and building tremendous. International distribution. There's a lot of different countries we're we're going to get into, and uh, some of the partnerships that we have with some athletes. There's the uh, the Miami Heat is using it. All the players in the Heat. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, and the coaches are just brilliant guys. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, of course, uh, naturally, I would say they're brilliant because they brought my product <laughs> in. Uh, but they are brilliant guys. They're they're really they're not afraid of. Not just trying something new because they look, they really look at the efficacy. Like, what's the logic here? Why would this be great? And those that strength coaching group it just they just get it. It was it was fantastic. And then and then other people have followed on. It, a lot of people, when it comes to their sports performance, they want to be first to be second. Nobody wants to be the first guy to try something because what if it doesn't work? What if it hurts me? What if it ruins my, you know, whatever, neurological firing pattern or something like that? So a lot of people were hesitant in the beginning, but it's, it's taken off now. Awesome, yeah. dude. Well, let's jump back into how you... You notice how I really totally avoided that <laughs> when I'm getting rich question? <laughs> well, no, you know, yeah. I, I'm always curious because 
not so much about people that start a business, but specifically when there's an inventor of a product. And I know there's uh, there's the research and development, there's the prototyping, there's right. a lot that goes into bringing something to market, a physical product. And and I've never done business in that way. I've always been in like info marketing and education uh, and working as a freelance artist. And so the idea, yeah. to me, it's just interesting, I think because I've not done it, of having an idea seeing it come to fruition and then building a business around a physical product. So it's just it's what, something I don't have experience with. What's the weirdest thing about when I tell the story about where X3 came from? I I developed it because I had the I made the observation, this the sevenfold difference observation. So I made a drawing, showed it to the engineers that, that I was working with uh, uh, with with you know bone density. And a consulting company in Northern California. And uh, so we built a prototype. Actually, we built uh, like three prototypes. And I started using it and I just started gaining muscle so fast. The prototype cost me $2,000 to build just the bar, just just this thing. Because it was supposed to withstand a tremendous amount of force. And so it immediately started working. Then I gave one to Dave Asprey. And I said, you got to try this thing. And he immediately started seeing results. And I thought, you know what? If I don't launch... Because I already was very busy with medical devices, with, with bone density. So with doing that bone... I, I was, that, that was my job. I, I never felt like I was going to start another thing. I thought the, this bone density invention was really just doing fantastic. And I wouldn't, wouldn't really need to do anything else. But then I thought... I created the world's greatest strength training device and I plan on just using it myself. And, then, and I'm like, if I don't come out with it, like I, it'll be just like a missed opportunity because it's huge. And, and uh, now it's a tremendous company. Awesome. So, yeah. Dude. So let's get into the bone density research. So yes. I understand that you got into researching that and developing what eventually became OsteoStrong right. as a result of your mom coming down with this osteoporosis diagnosis. Right. Right. So I, I find that story really interesting because, you know, obviously it's it, it's close to anyone's heart when someone immediate in their immediate family is suffering from something that could be fixable. What's yeah. the what's well, the story? Most people don't know it's fixable. Yeah, right. Uh, what's the story behind that? A and B. <sighs> If she hadn't had the intervention of what you came up with as a solution, what are the typical pharmaceutical or Western medical solutions to that? And what are the side effects? Like what's, what's right. the worst case scenario if you hadn't come along and went, you know what? I think I can fix this. Right. So she was diagnosed in her 70s. Uh, she was a very active person. She did gardening and played tennis. She had me a little bit older in life and says... Uh, one day she comes home and she says, I'm going to die. And she's very dramatic. So it's like, I've heard that before. Uh, then you know, I said, why? Well, I got uh, diagnosed with osteoporosis. And I said, well, okay, well, that's a real thing. I'm well aware of what that is. So I said, let me, let me look at the options. And then you know, I, 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 looked, I looked at what the pharmaceutical options were. I told her about the side effects and, and what the effects were. And what really bothered me was that the only classification of drug there was, was what you'd call an anti-catabolic, meaning a drug that keeps older bone from breaking down, but it doesn't encourage the growth of newer bone. So it's just kind of like a, you know, a hard shell on the outside of your bone that's there temporarily until you cycle off the drug. And I thought like, just from a mechanism standpoint, that doesn't sound so great. 
So I told her about it and what my opinions were. And so she did not, she did not want to want to touch any of that. And I said, look, let me look into this because I have an idea. And I really saw the 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 disease and I, I didn't have my PhD yet. So what I did on uh, and, and my professors told me if I had developed or tr- wanting to develop this like after, I would have talked myself out of it. Because what you learn in school so often is this is the way things are. Like what I, what I had done to the ultimate solution was emulating high impact, creating a device that gives you the benefits of the highest slamming against the ground that we do, absorption of impact, without the risks of injury. So I looked at, uh, so what I did was I looked at all the research and I said, gymnasts have superhuman bone. So I'm not going to tell my mother to be a gymnast. But what I can do is maybe we could create a set of devices that deliver the force, but in a very slow and controlled manner in exactly the same positions that humans absorb these impact forces. So for the upper extremities, it's like right here, 120 degree angle of inclusion of the arm, back of the hand in line with the clavicle. And I can either produce or absorb the greatest amount of force right here in this position. Not here, not here, not with my hands or my head, right in that position I described. So let's get all these positions and build specific devices and then use uh, robotic arms to get everybody in the right position and then have computerized biofeedback so they can see where they're going. And that's what I ended up developing. I, the way I describe it, it sounds like I threw it together in an afternoon, but it took some time. And then once I had the prototype put together... I, I built it at my parents' house and I was living in San Francisco like I am now at, at the time. And uh, they lived in the Napa Valley. And so one, uh, every time I was there once a week, because the protocol is once a week, I, I had her go through it. And there was, there were some arguments, you know, you trying to get your mom to do something that, especially when no one else has tried it. Right. So I, I tried it first. And then my dad, who's, yeah, he, he understands what I'm doing. He's a scientist. Uh, he, he designed and built a lunar rover for NASA. Smart oh, wow. guy. Yeah, he's a smart Damn. guy. Um, so he understood the literature that I was referencing. And he said, yeah, it is, on paper, this should work, but you know, we got to try it. So within 18 months, she went from uh, the diagnosis of osteoporosis. She was a T-score of negative 2.5 all the way to zero, which is a normal bone for a 30-year-old. And she was... Uh, 72 at the time. Wow. Yeah. So she went from having compromised bone to having like, better than it should be. Better bone. than it should be at her age. Right. <clears throat> Way better than it should be. What is, uh, in, in simple terms for those that don't know, and I'm not even sure exactly that I know, what is osteoporosis? So it's deconditioning of bone. Like when a muscle gets weak, when a muscle shrinks, that's deconditioning of the muscle. When a bone has disuse or isn't loaded properly. We see this with astronauts. Uh, we see this with people who are stuck in a bed. You know, if they're just sick for, and they can't load their body. They start losing bone density rather quickly. And when that happens, the bone, if you look at the inside of a bone, it looks like a honeycomb. So there's little walls. It's not, you know, in hexagonal format like honeycombs are, but there's walls that hold this, this bone mass together. It's called the bone matrix. 
Well, with disuse, the walls become thinner and some of them disappear. So it becomes more porous. Osteoporosis, the Latin osteo is bone, porosis means porous. So just you get porous bone. Is and, it kind of is it anything akin to uh, when you make bone broth in the? I don't know if you've ever done this, but you make bone broth in a crock pot and you cook the bones for you know twenty four forty eight hours. Mm. Those bones become very brittle to the point where if you cook them long enough, they just become mush. They just turn into kind of mineral dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it is that would that be a sped up exaggerated nah. version? Of that? Different. No, different no, it's pretty different because you're breaking okay. down. You know everything. It's not really becoming more porous. It's just as okay. As all okay. Uh, but there's great, um, like micro photography when you, uh, do just do a search on osteoporosis and you go to like Google images, you can see what a porous bone looks like and then what a, what a strong bone looks like. So, uh, given the situation that she had, uh, I just, I ran her through it. It worked with her. I said, okay, now if it works with my mother, it can work with everyone because she didn't want to do any type of exercise. She likes playing tennis and hiking and, 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 and uh, gardening, but she doesn't exercise for the sake of exercise. And the fact that I got her to do it and got her excited about it too, I thought, okay, like, people are going to like doing this. So I opened up a clinic in the, the Napa Valley and had 400 members pretty quickly uh, I hustled. I mean, I, I, had, I had to get wow. a lot of people's attention because it was, I didn't even have a name for the machine. It wasn't called OsteoStrong. The names of the machines are actually Spectrum, but uh, it, I just called it the machine. <laughs> so I was networking with physicians and then uh, one of the physicians who I attracted as, as, a, as, a, as a user, as a member, uh, she immediately began build, building bone density and then referred... Uh, more than a hundred of her patients. Wow! Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And, and she was a co-author on my book. And how, uh, and how many how many machines uh, how many machines are there now? I mean, we have them here in the room. Are there like seventy locations of osteostrong now? But I mean, the actual seek like the uh, I guess you call it a circuit of machines. Like in the location we are here in West LA, what are there like five, four, four machines? Yeah, that do different parts of the body. There's and different four bones. positions that you we could look at this in a couple of different ways, but four big positions that we absorb high impact force. There's the way we absorb upper extremities. Lower extremities is 120 degree angle behind the knee, same as the 120 degree angle right here. The spine throughout. So the positioning of the shoulders and getting the spinal curvature as you would absorb high impact forces. Uh, it's different than being relaxed. And then, uh, and then the core. And so those are the four positions. It only takes about 10 minutes to run through the protocol and you only have to do it one time per week. That's, see, the, yeah. as, as you might have guessed from looking at me, uh, I'm a guy that forces myself to work out, but I, I don't, it's not something I've ever enjoyed. Like, kind of like your mom, I like to be active and do stuff, but exercise for the sake of exercise uh, has never been my favorite. Sure. It's kind of like, oh, I make myself do it because I want to be healthy. But I think that was one of the first things when I first tried the OsteoStrong training and going through the sequence, I'm like, sure. we're, we're done. <laughs> it's like, it's so fast. I mean, yeah. when you, each machine is, I wouldn't say it's hard, but I mean, you're exerting a lot of effort and force yeah. for a few seconds. Oh, and I got then, criticized about this. And then the, you're done. I'm like, is this, when can this actually work? I was work? writing my dissertation, like other than my professors, 
I was only working with medical doctors and I never met one that told me something other than this is never going to do anything because you're exposing, it, it takes 10 minutes to go through the whole protocol, but you're only exposing each kinetic chain for a few seconds to these high level forces. And of course, if impact is the greatest stimulus to bone, how long are you under tension for impact? Good point. Tenth of a second, hundredth of a second. Good point. So by comparison, what we're doing is a marathon. And this whole like time under tension thing, which is sort of like a, I'll do a falsehoods of fitness video on that. Uh, I mean, yes, it, it's, it's, an, it's an oversimplification of what the body needs. And it's missing out on a couple of key elements of stimulating a change, of showing the central nervous system that something needs to change. Because that's what we, that's what we do. And I th- that's also something that exercise science understands, but applied exercise in, in fitness or in physical medicine facilities like this, the, the idea of what you're trying to do and with just about everything you're trying to do uh, with biohacking, it's you're showing the central nervous system that there's a deficit of something in your body. Like you don't have enough tendon or you don't have enough bone or you don't have enough muscle uh, and the body works to fix that problem. So we, we can only talk to our central nervous systems via creating environments. If you put your body in an environment where you seem like you want to be a broken down car, your central nervous system will say, great, you're going to be a broken down car. You, ba- you can barely move. Uh, if you put your body in an environment where you want to be an economy car, like, you know, like let's say an endurance athlete, hormones drastically change, upregulate cortisol to protect as much body fat as in staying as fat as you can, as long as you can, which is what long sustained cardio does. Sorry, cardio fans. Uh, it's, there's only 40 years of research on this. So that's sustained cardio. So, but it's, it, your central nervous system is saying, okay, we got to be an economy car. So it upregulates cortisol to protect body fat, downregulates growth hormone to get rid of as much muscle mass as possible. So you lose muscle, gain body fat, or protect body fat so you can be an efficiency type device going long distances, right? Now, from a fitness perspective, that seems to be like nothing what people are after unless they want to be great endurance athletes. I think most people want to be a Formula One car. So what do we know about a Formula One car? Engine, big engine, powerful engine. That's muscle, right? Everybody and women and men, they want the same thing. Everybody wants to be strong, have a beautifully shaped body, uh, very aesthetic. So uh, we have... The engine, muscle, the chassis, bone. That's specifically what we're focused on with OsteoStrong. So with putting these, in creating the environment. So we're creating the environment that the human body's just got to become a Formula One car. So huge forces through the bone. When I I push like this, when I'm in this position, there's over 2,000 pounds that go through my upper extremities. Now I'm only pushing... Like I'm actually not pushing at all. There is movement though. And the movement comes from the compression of the actual bone. And so that compression of bone and then the release shows a deficit of bone matrix. Therefore, minerals get pulled into the bone to recalcify. 
making the bone more powerful. So that's part of that Formula One car. You look at the chassis of a Formula One car, it doesn't look anything like a road car. It looks crazy how powerful it is. And it needs to be because there's incredible forces going through that chassis. And, uh, and a Formula One car doesn't have a gigantic gas tank either. Like they got to stop for gas because they got to stay light. And so that's, that's the type of thing that, that I was after is what, what do we need to do to create those environments? And that environmental model just articulated the way that I was talking about it. I don't think a lot of applied exercise professionals, they don't quite see adaptation that way. I don't know how they see it, but I know they don't see it that way because I see some of the recommendations and I want to ask like, what do you think you're doing? Because I know you're not doing anything <laughs> that's going to create an adaptation because it's not the environment. So, so that's, um, that premise is the way I approach everything. And that's, that's how X3 came to be. And that's how, how OsteoStrong came to be. Well, I got to say something uh, in terms of a testimonial, as I said, you know, not someone that's been super into to working out, just doing it as needed. I would like to have an aesthetically great looking body and be in shape and have some muscles and stuff like that. And it also does feel better to be stronger. You're lifting a suitcase or yeah. got to climb some stairs. Like no one likes to feel weak sauce. But when I was when I first started coming here in OsteoStrong and using the bone density machines, uh, I was not in a period where I was lifting weights. Sometimes I do that. I get off on a jag and I do high intensity training, body weight, pull-ups, push-ups, whatever. Sure. My brother has a gym. He's a great trainer um, into kind of um, functional fitness kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, I go through phases and I go, shit, I'm, st- I'm feeling stronger. I can do more push-ups, more this, more that, whatever. Yeah. Pull more weight, push more weight rather, um, or pull in some cases <laughs> if it's a pull-up. Right. But anyway, long story short, I start coming in here doing the bone density just because I'm like, well, it's good for you. And after the first couple of times I did it, and I want to ask about this too, I feel, this is still the case, I felt so high. Afterward, I was in such a fucking good mood. I'm just super happy. I don't know what's going on with hormones and neurotransmitters, but something was happening. You got it. So that was happening. I mean, I'm just like, if if I'm depressed, I need to get to OsteoStrong and just (laughs) push these goddamn machines for 10 minutes and do the vibe plate before and after, and I feel like a new man. But what was really trippy, dude, is after I'd done, I don't know, maybe three or four you know, weeks of once a week mm-hmm. and then went back into the gym and started doing push-ups and pull-ups. I'm a goddamn beast. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't build any muscle. Right. It's so right, weird. Yeah. So, so I would, strong, it's, so it's good to make the distinction. Yeah, I'd go to do some push-ups or pull-ups or just simple <laughs> stuff or even just, you know, curl like a, a big, you know, like some heavy weight and think, oh, I'm only going to be able to do two or three of these and I'm doing 10. I'm like, yeah. what? How I was not working out. How did I build muscle? And I started to make the correlation that I'm getting stronger from this, even though I'm not doing any weight training or doing anything that would classically well, build muscle. There's it's limits. so weird. There, but it's the chassis you're talking about. It's like the right, frame, right? Right, right. So unlike a, 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 an automobile, a Formula One car, we have a central nervous system. And that central nervous system has feedback loops all over the place. And when I speak about how, many, how much force, like we have elderly deconditioned females putting... Uh, seven, eight, nine times their body weight through their hip joint. And so I say this to a group of elderly people and they're looking at me like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That sounds dangerous. And I said, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. Everybody hold up a fist like this. 
you know, like you're angry. <laughs> Hold up a fist. Can you squeeze that fist hard enough? Look at your fist. Can you squeeze it hard enough to break your own finger? And they'll do this. And they'll go, no, I can't. I don't think that's possible. Right. The reason is, this is very important for people who exercise or who want to ever exercise. Keep in mind, neural inhibition. So we have a process in our body that says, if something's going to hurt or cause damage, if this something is under control, as in not explosiveness, like you can hit the ground and fracture and that, that just happens. Like, you know, there's no neural inhibitory process. But when you squeeze a fist, your body's going to stop you before a fracture will happen. Like you, you will actually shut the muscles off. You just can't do it. And so I knew that when we engaged here, we would go right to the neural inhibitory limit, which would be that environmental stress to show the bone matrix, to show all those, those cells in the bone matrix, ah, we need to pull in minerals and build more small walls inside this bone, make the bone more powerful. And the same thing with X3. It's just a much deeper level of fatigue. Like, oh, you're absolutely running out of myofibrils to fire. Therefore, we got to build more. And it's, it's the speed at which you run out of the contractile tissue and with the X3. So when you experience that, what happened was you built bone mass. Therefore, normally when your body would shut you off, when you're going through a movement, it didn't shut you off. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah. it, it sort of unlocked a hidden yeah. potential it's in another, a way. It's, an, it's a very another way. Now, uh, younger people don't have that same experience. How old are you? Uh, 48. 48. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely people uh, past 30 start noticing that. Sometimes I'm with some 25-year-old guy and he's you know, a professional athlete and they don't have that same experience because they're, they're able to fire enough muscle to be at that limit where they're not, or, or they're high impact athletes. You work right. with gymnasts. Gymnasts, it's funny. They, they, they come here, you know, to Osteostrong and they put tremendous forces through their body and they have slivers of progress. Just, you know, 1%, 1%, 1%, And, uh, and they're like, well, why is everybody, making more progress than me because they see like an NFL player making like 10% progress every time they come in. And I tell them because you're already at such a high level of bone mass, you're already able to fire because the way you protect yourself and you hit the ground. Now, ultimately you want to do it because you're becoming fracture proof because gymnasts still fracture. Like impact is the greatest stimulus for bone. It's also the greatest cause for fracture. So you're going right into the most dangerous thing, which is also the most powerful thing, but you're, you're walking a fine line and not every impact is under control. In fact, most of them aren't because there's, they don't land the same every time. They practice landing all day long when they train because they want all those landing events to be identical because it's always loading the body in the right way so that they don't injure but so with they with, don't with, with someone who's younger and more fit, then it's like their threshold for the um, neural inhibition is higher. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It was, well, they have higher bone mass. Okay. You've been losing bone mass since you were thirty. 
Right. Oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> Don't sorry. Tell me yeah. How depressing. You know, you know what? I think the first thing I noticed, I'm trying to think like, when was the first thing where I was like, wait, something happened. Something changed my body dramatically. You know what it was? Is uh, one of the things I do on a fairly regular basis, you know, I have my Bulletproof Vibe plate like um, you guys have here. Yep. And I'll just do some like kind of uh, hollow body push-ups on mm-hmm. that, you know? Like elbows tucked in and mm-hmm. it's just the way that I like doing push-ups. It doesn't doesn't fuck with my shoulders. Yeah. And I'll do that and I'll just do some planks and I'll kind of like swap arms and just plank around a little bit. And I was like swinging around from plank to plank like a freaking, um, you know, like a karate expert or something. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just throwing my body weight around and not How getting strained this? at all. Yeah, yeah. Was that, I think that was the first thing in doing those push-ups. I was like, this is so easy. And normally yeah. when I'm vibrating, I fatigue a lot faster. And that's kind of the point. That's why I like doing that. And it also yeah. just feels better on my joints when they're getting shaken while I'm There's exerting a lot that strength. That, so yeah. um, that was the first thing I noticed. It was just fascinating. And then what I think what's cool about it was that it started this cascade where then I actually... Felt like because I had quantifiable subjective progress, it made me want to actually work out more because I'm getting somewhere now. It's not just like I'm there, like, there's oh, why a am psychological I even... effect when you can right? see a metric of your health that you can absolutely control. Look, how many people do you talk to that aren't the people that you interview? Because people you interview probably have something figured out. You don't generally find a confused person about their health and say, "Let <laughs> right. me talk to you and right. let the world listen." Most people find the subject of their health very frustrating because they think it's out of control. They think there's nothing they can do about it. Fraternity brother uh, who said when I think we were both like 35, he was uh, type 2 diabetic and he had all kinds of joint problems. He barely get out of a chair. And he goes, well, I'm just getting old. And I was like, What? No, you're not. I mean, yes, you are. Like, that's a fact. But, like, that doesn't mean you're supposed to fall apart. Like, there are plenty of people who are older who are in great shape. Like, address your joint dysfunction. Like, go to a physical therapist or show me what's wrong with it. I might be able to Google it. Like, my knee pops when I whatever. You know, I, I, don't, I don't remember. What it was. He was living in the, in the East Coast at the time. And... uh People have this attitude where they just, just it's defeatist. Like I, I plan on being in incredible shape. I'm now I'm two twenty and nine percent body fat. I'm gonna stay here forever because I basically go under no risk while I use X three to build muscle or I use osteostrong to build bone. Like the protocol is just mostly risk free. Nothing's risk free, yeah. but uh, yeah, breathing's not risk free, right? Um, in terms of going back to the degradation of bones, how much does um, environmental and dietary mm. influences have to do with that? I've been hearing a lot about EMFs and the way that they affect calcium channels and you know lead mm-hmm. to all of these seemingly unrelated diseases. Yeah. Do, you, do you know anything about you know uh, deficiencies in diet, exposure to EMFs, other things that would be making this problem worse? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, magnetic fields, EMF, electromagnetic field. Our friend Dave Asprey, he noticed he had lower bone density in the hip where he keeps his phone than he had on the other side. And uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I do. I think it was 7% lower on one side versus the other, which seems kind of extreme to me. But he, he, he went specifically to look at that. So, 
yeah, electromagnetic fields are not doing us any favors and we are surrounded by them. But the bigger challenge is nutritional. We get a lot of... Inflammation is not the friend of building bone density. So most of what we eat is like sugar and refined grain, which is all inflammatory. So, I mean, most of the Western diet, like what, what, what people are consuming and I even see health foods is just, just a chemical shitstorm, which is just like stole a lot of sugar. Like I see all these like, you know, keto bars with like 10 grams of sugar. Like, <laughs> I know, huh? dude. I know. <laughs> what did you... You Why? Know, it's funny. Like, every, do you understand what the word keto means? Dude, I don't think you do. Specifically with bars. I swear to God, every time like I see a new bar and it <laughs> says paleo or keto or something, I'm like, I look at it and it's got 22 grams of sugar and the second ingredient is dates. I'm like, dude, seriously, can no one make a good tasting bar? <laughs> that, right. I mean, you have to eat like the meat bars, you know, like the grass fed meat. Which um, have like five grams of protein. It's like barely worth the trouble. Yeah. So when I get those Epic bars, I can eat a box of them. <laughs> I bet you can. I, bet I do. Can. I, I I tried to. I thought I was like, oh yeah, that's all I'm doing is eating bars. Uh, was, I was. I don't remember where I was. It was a long trip. Well, or when you like travel, that. I mean, that's you know, you want to have like a quick fatty protein snack. So if anyone's listening and you're uh, of the entrepreneurial spirit, please make some goddamn good tasting bars that. Uh, yeah, basically, don't have a it's like a ribeye steak <laughs> that you can just keep in your bag right. in a sealed container. So what about, uh, I remember when I was a kid, you know, there was this big uh, campaign by the dairy industry, milk, it does the body good. And it was all about bones and calcium. Sure. What, where does the calcium play into to this? And, and so, why, why, why is osteoporosis becoming more common? And, you know, it seemed, I don't remember, best I don't remember everyone's <clears throat> bones falling apart. It wasn't something I heard about. And I've been pretty conscious of <laughs> So, Health issues and disease for a long time. One of the biggest issues with dairy and calcium intake, calcium is the only mineral that your body self-regulates. So like everything else, magnesium, like if you take in magnesium, you have magnesium. If you don't take any in, you don't have any. Calcium is basically stored like in a battery and that battery is your bone mass. And you need that calcium every time there's a, an axon and a dendrite. That, that fire and, and uh, you know, kind of communicate with each other. Every time that kind of lightning bolt goes through there, that's calcium that's being used. Uh, the problem that we have is that battery that we hold through our whole lives is after we get to about 30 years old, that's peak bone mass, the battery gets lower. We don't store as much in that battery. And then the more you take in, the more the calcium metabolic rate speeds up because, oh, you're taking it in. And so you actually end up losing bone density faster if you change what homeostasis is. So people who don't have good amount of calcium in their nutrition, and then they get past peak bone mass or, or they get to like menopause, which is when, you know, like estrogen levels change and and, uh, and, and that's when they start losing bone density about twice as fast as normal, sometimes Whoa. three times as fast as normal. Whoa. Then they go, well, I need a calcium supplement, right. but they're still not loading the bone. They sped up the metabolic rate, which means they start losing bone faster. Now there's conflicting research on that particular function right there or, or exactly what happens. But from a mechanism standpoint, those are understood to a degree. And... Calcium is something that should be at a decent level throughout life. 
not just when somebody says, well, I need it now. Not to say that it's too late. Now they can come in osteo strong and now the body's got a reason to keep all that calcium. So that's when, when people ask me about the calcium and vitamin D recommendations, when they pass a certain age, I say, put force through bone, then look at supplementation. It's, it's, not, it's not the other way around. And all of these things also, here's another thing to think about. For any of you that, that tuned in because they want to hear about X3, this is something you're going to tell your mom. When you look at a weightlifter, they're strong because they lift weights and they take extra protein, which is used as a building block for muscle, right? What if they just quit lifting weights and just took in the protein? What would happen? Would they still build big muscle? No. If it's excess calories, it probably just get fat. So <laughs> why would we expect to take in calcium and vitamin D and have them magically turn into bone if we're not using the bone? Not going to happen. You just reminded me of something that I don't know if I read this or if I just intuited this, but I'm a guy that's really into sun. I, to me, the sun is the ultimate vitamin. And it seems to me, I mean, especially if you look at when, as we've become more domesticated and the advent of the incandescent light bulb, that sure. so many diseases have become more prevalent as we, we move indoors, right? Yeah. We've got air conditioning and heat and we've got fake lighting that isn't, oh, and isn't the in the inflammatories natural. that we take in yeah. actually contribute to sunburns. Right. Like if you get your inflammatories really low, you don't burn, you tan. Right. Even, even you know, and people, so even red-haired people. If we're sun-deprived, I think I'm really hot in this too because I just did a really long interview with Dr. Jack Cruz and he just blew my freaking mind about sure. lighting and sun and stuff. So I'm just totally even more obsessed with this concept now. But what about um, the deficiency in vitamin D because we're cutting ourselves off from the sun because most of us have been brainwashed to think the sun gives you cancer and is bad for you when in yeah. fact it's the biggest anti-cancer practice you can do if you do it safely. Where, right. does, where does vitamin D play into the loss of bone or our, our ability if we add force and, and these things that are positive for bone growth? How does vitamin D and sun play into that? So there's a, there's a much bigger conversation about what vitamin D we should have. A lot of the base levels, a lot of the normative data that we have on minerals, vitamins was, was created based on survey data of averages in like the 1950s and 60s. Back when we had the food pyramid and everybody was eating you know, cereals <laughs> right. and grains. They actually use that fucking word, cereals. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like, what I grew up the, on. Right, the guys from like General Mills paid for that food pyramid to be built, and it was like that's what we eat. We, I, it's just it's just so criminal what what ended up happening back yeah. then. And, yeah, and, and then it was and, all inflammatories. And then it's like here's here's the normative data based on everybody who's eating everything wrong. And then later on, the sugar industry uh, pushing the low fat thing too. It was like it was two big crushing blows to our dietary. Right. Um, you know, traditions and habits, at least in Western culture. Yeah. Okay, so carry on. Uh, vitamin D, sun, so what, bone health. What's a good level of vitamin D is, we can argue that because the normative data was taken by, I would call a tainted sample, a tainted population. Also, you're not just meant to absorb sun through your face and your arms. We got a lot more skin that we cover with clothes. Now, Pointing out another example, the Middle East, females in the Middle East have a tremendous problem, much bigger bone density problem than we do in the United States because they cut, you know, they got this much showing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So having your, your face and your arms exposed does make a good positive difference. Yeah. 
And it, not as good as somebody who's got the shirt off at the beach, you know, more always, often than not. I always recommend breasts and genitals out too. At the beach? <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends where, on the beach or where, anywhere you go. Anywhere yeah. you won't get arrested. But well, I, there's a short list there, Bob. Yeah. But I think we'll, we'll include that in the show notes. I think people feel like, oh, sun. Yeah, I get some sun. Like I go out, you know, and I get some sun on my face. But like you Five said, there's minutes. there's photoreceptors all over your body. Your right, skin right, right. is basically a solar panel. Yeah. So yes, if, it, uh, I I I'd agree with that. Like you you do get. It, there's also some things that we don't really measure and talk about, like serotonin levels. Oh, like. Yeah, like an antidepressant. It's right up there in the sky. Just take your shirt off and stand outside. Right. That's right. why, I, you know, this has always been my concept is is why we feel good. You know, say you go on vacation to somewhere tropical, right? Why you feel good. And I think most of us think, oh, it's because I put my phone away and I quit work and I, you know, I'm not stressed yeah, out and I can be with my sun. family. Dude, right. it's because you're just in the sun. You're doing and, where you should and be you're, doing. And you're time, grounded yeah. uh-huh. and you're in bodies yeah. of water being even more grounded. I think that the sun is what makes you feel like you're on vacation and that sure. you can, I mean, I do it every day. I just go on mini vacations, 20 minutes out in the sun. Funny that it doesn't matter what your weather is. You still have sun everywhere. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's some guy that lives in a cave, but yeah, for, for just about everybody, you don't need to be by the beach. This you mor- got the sun. This morning I woke, I've been having this thing I'm doing lately, a practice I'm very committed to, and that's watching the sunrise every day and doing my sun gazing. And this morning I got up to do it and it was cloudy. It was overcast, which is rare in LA. And I was like so bummed. I'm like, God damn it. I woke up at 650 for this. You know this. you're still getting it, right? Right. Well, like that's it's what, there. Yeah, that's what I you're had to tell myself light. because yeah. it felt like I wasn't. So with the vitamin D thing, um, I just, you know, I'm super curious about the way all of these things work. When we're low on vitamin D, because because of the lack of sun, et cetera, does does that make us not be able to utilize the calcium in our body properly? Is that how it? Yeah, is that the mechanism of, by which the bones start to degrade? Vitamin D is kind of the glue that pulls the calcium in. Okay, okay, yeah. So the other thing is with the calcium. I wanted to ask you. I stopped taking calcium supplements ages ago because I started to read a lot of negative. Um, I don't say press, but just doing some research that indicated that most calcium supplements are kind of like chalk or dust and they're not bioavailable. They're not, yeah. they're not, they're well, inorganic minerals like calcium in water hey, that you can't Most vegetables uptake. are not bioavailable either. So like, and that's, that's the response when you say that, like some of the bone density experts, like there's a lot of that we take in that is not bioavailable. So but, what form of calcium could we actually supplement or what foods are really high in calcium if we wanted to, in addition to, you know, doing physical things like this that would give us that impact and help build new bone, What what? how's ways that we can get more calcium into us? There's meats with great levels of calcium. Also, don't, you know, cut the tendons and ligaments so far off the, the, the meats you eat. Like I power through a lot of bone material when I eat, um, especially chicken. Like I, I don't eat all... all you know, all the bones, but I kind of grind them up. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. Would that, I wonder if bone broth then would have a sure. high level of calcium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of right? Because you're leaching all those minerals out of the bones. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, next question, going back to something I referred to earlier, why do I feel so goddamn high like I just took MDMA after I do an osteostrong <laughs> circuit? 
Is that what I'm, MDMA feels well, I like? I mean, it's yeah, been man, a lot. I feel great, but it seems like that would be a I'm little weird. I'm exaggerating. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, I'm we not feel trying great to, when we're done with. I'm not trying to make out with everyone after Ostia Strong, but I do have a, a marked uh, increase. And in, I mean, obvious, like it's so obvious to me subjectively that my hormones and neurotransmitters just explode. It, I always feel right. really happy that for the rest of the day after I do it. There's, there's definitely a serotonin effect. Uh, other than that, it's it's hard to quantify. We haven't we haven't done a study on it. Okay, like I'm so busy doing bone density studies, right? That it like you know is this like something this, that's like common or am I just at. like no, the feel good guy? No, okay. everybody says they just feel fantastic. You you say to somebody you you just put like you know when I do the the lower extremity, I put between three and four thousand pounds through my hip joint. Everyone goes, wow, that sounds terribly painful it feels fantastic just wow like you just feel like you just you know drank lightning you just like right. i feel great <laughs> right and you're not worn out or, or anything like that so uh, i mean as a scientist i've never written about that because that's not really quantifiable right and so it's just more yeah. of an anecdotal thing and there's, yeah. we don't really know exactly why and I, it doesn't i mean I, frankly it doesn't point, really matter it's like does it do that great then i'm in it certainly does make people want to come in and do it again. Right. That's, so compliance that's is higher because you get, yeah. you know, the net effect of just being in a better mood. Right, right. So we're we're more uh, assured that the people who come in are, they like it. It's it feels good. good. It's good and for- then, oh, look, <laughs> my functional bone performance is going up every week. So you, you get a chart that shows you what you, what you're doing at OsteoStrong and it pretty much shows success happening every single time you come in. And uh, so it's a combination between you feel great and you have a metric of your health that you can control. And you're like, whoa, okay. I'm like happy for two reasons here. And uh, yeah, that definitely keeps people coming back and excited. Next thing I want to know is about joint health. You know, something I've experienced as I've gone through different phases where I'm like, you know what? I want to put on some muscle and I start working out. And I found, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I've injured myself on numerous occasions because I just don't have the range of motion and the joint mobility and the joint health to to push weight on those joints. You know what I mean? Right. So say, you know, doing a bench press and I lack the shoulder shoulder mobility or a better example would be like doing a pull-up. Do you mean I, lack mobility or just some like the joint just does not feel good? Uh, I mean putting pressure on a joint and making it loading it right and making it, it move in a way that afterward I'm like ouch why did I do that uh, and and that doesn't happen that doesn't happen to me uh, I haven't I've only used the X3 bar a couple times yeah. um, so I can't speak to that but I do know that in you know numerous times and a lot of people I know too are just kind of the meathead gym rat generation are all about gains but often injure themselves because they don't have the range of motion yeah. to work on, you know, whether it's free weights or machines and they end up getting hurt. Right. So the range of motion really has to do with that neural inhibitory process combined with a lot of either da- damage from a traumatic event or just sort of micro trauma happening over time. Typically, the most powerful weight workout should never make you sore. In any way, but in the reason it does, like when people say, "Oh, yeah, I can barely move my arms," I had a great like bench press workout, and I just I'm sitting there like going, 
do I really want to tell this guy all he really did was just hurt himself? Because you didn't, that's not stimulus that you're feeling. The way you're feeling is damage. So the way we move, the way people functionally move, and I almost don't like the word functional because it's really overused. You know, a muscle shortens, that's its function. So you could define anything as functional. But when you see somebody sprint, and we didn't need to train people to do this. Everybody from all over the world sprints pretty much the same way. You use seven degrees of flexion from a straight knee to a, a, not even like that, like here to here. That's what you use when you're under force to propel yourself forward. We have 180 degrees available. Yeah, we only use seven. Why? I, and I mean, like, like, you know, trainers, great trainers will look at me and be like, yeah, I, I mean, you have to only, otherwise you wouldn't go fast if you tried to extend your, you know, bend your knee more like at the bottom, you'd be doing like lunges. You wouldn't go anywhere. Right. It's just totally inefficient. So we choose to isolate the strong range of motion when we actually have to get some shit done, right? When the objective is getting somewhere really quickly, we choose efficiency. Then why is it with weight training, we just absolutely bury ourselves in inefficiency? So let's say you're not using an X3 and you're using a regular weightlifting bar. So For those of you listening, you can watch this on YouTube if you want to see what's yeah, going oh, on. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, that's thank okay. you for Carry explaining on. that. Some people are listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm holding a bar. Uh, it's an Olympic bar. This one is an X3 bar, but uh, most Olympic bars are not nearly as cool as this one because they hold weight instead of variable resistance. And the problem with, uh, with a weight is that it's the same when you got it laying right across your chest as it is when you're at full extension. But you're seven times stronger at full extension than you are when the bar is at your chest. So you're going to choose a weight that you can handle in the weaker range of motion when the bar's on your chest. So that really means, and what do we know about that range of motion? You have very little muscular activity and the joints at the greatest point of stress. So, so when people so say you're doing a, what you're describing, say you're doing a bench press and you're in the down position and now you're kind of at that rest point before you push back up. Yeah. Mo- most people don't rest at the bottom. You don't, I mean, especially you're not when you supposed get these, to. <laughs> well, when you get guys who are bench pressing 400 pounds or something like that, right. they don't rest it on their chest. Right. That's right. I'm just saying at the yeah, end of, at the end of the, uh, you know, the, yeah. the press. Yeah. 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 yeah not so resting, at the bottom but, and right. then they go to push back up. So at that it's point, it's incredible you're, stress on the joint, and you're hardly stimulating anything in the muscle. So at that point, is the is the highest stress point of that particular move on the joint, and right. your muscles are are very uh, un, unengaged. They're the least engaged. the least engaged, least through engaged the cycle right. of that and move. So every single time people lift in in the standard weightlifting format, they're overloading the joint and underloading the muscle. Every single time. Interesting. It's, it's just, and at first I kind of held back because I got a lot of people who were angry. <laughs> I but love now I just kind of come out and say like, yeah, weightlifting is actually like really terrible. If strength is well, your it's objective. funny, dude. I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I'm like, holy shit, this guy makes sense. And you know, I have my juve red light thing at home and it's kind of boring to stand there. So I do a couple different things. A, I obsess on my phone addictively. Or if I happen to have a little more energy, I'll reach down and I'll do some curls. I just have like a 25-pound little barbells. Yeah, okay. Sure. But 
since hearing you talk about this concept, I realized like it's only hard at about like a 10 inches of that yeah. of lifting them. And then once it's up here, I'm like, ah, yeah, I can feel my muscle right, as soon resting. As, the, as soon as the bicep really gets short, yeah. you got a lot of power there. And there's a lot of resting right. involved. Even right. if, you know, even if you try and not like pull it up all the way and let right. it down all the way and you kind of, you know, you, right. you limit the range of motion to get the most sort of squeeze out of it. Yeah. It still feels pretty so weak. The, like, ob- the objective behind X3 was after making the bone density observations, and how heavy a load we can get in the body to trigger bone growth, which, which also grows tendons and lig- ligaments, by the way. So people with joint damage. I have can, that. I got a bad right hip. You're, it's going to be less bad over time as you keep using the OsteoStrong device. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you're, you're, even, if you're, even if you're bone on bone, you can still build the joint capsule. There's a, a study, Benjamin and Ralph's 1996, which shows the compression of a joint at impact levels begins to thicken the the tendons and ligaments that surround that joint. So the joint's just better supported. So being bone on bone, yes, that, that can hurt. But I've seen people with debilitating knee pain saying, I need uh, a joint replacement. They push off that joint replacement for six years or you know, maybe longer than that because all of a sudden in six months, their pain gets cut in half and six more months, their pain gets cut in half again. And now they're like, you know, I, I mean, my knee still doesn't feel good, but I can do everything. Get in and out of a car. I can, you know, run around at the beach with my family, whatever. Uh, so now from a muscle perspective, so X3 is about building muscle and dropping body fat. It's the same logic, but applied in a different way. So we fatigue the muscle to the absolute most profound in comparison to what we see in weight training. So instead of limiting yourself by your weak range, you have a lightweight in the weak range and you have a medium weight in the mid range. And then you have a hyper load at the strong range. So something you probably never even handle in one repetition in a gym. So like when I do a chest press with X3, I'm holding 500 pounds at the top of the movement, 300 pounds in the middle of the movement and 100 pounds at the bottom. So I'll do 15 to 20 repetitions and then not, and then that's, that, that go, brings me to f- uh, fatigue in that stronger range of motion. I cannot get to the stronger range of motion anymore, but now I'm doing half reps in that 300 pound range. So now I'm fatiguing that range of motion. And then by the time I do go to fatigue and completely fatigue the muscle, which you cannot do with a weight, I'm in the weaker range of motion, but guess what? I'm not overloading my joints. My joints never hurt whatsoever. And uh, well, the first two years, which I just kind of crossed that threshold uh, a couple months ago, I put on 45 pounds of muscle and lost 16 pounds of body fat in the first two years of using X3. And I have no joint pain whatsoever. Like my, my body feels like it did when I was... 10. Wow. Nothing hurts. Wow. Not my neck, not my knees, not my toes, nothing. So like, and then I, I see in, in, in weightlifting forums, which I'd followed for years. And I was one of those guys who had little tweaks. I never had a big injury, but just little like, oh, you know, I was deadlifting heavy and something definitely didn't, you know, I had to put the bar down because it's just 
one side started tightening up, one side of my spinal erector started tightening up. Um, I get nothing now. It's just growing muscle. Like, and, and, and it's to the point where if I don't see somebody for three or four weeks, because I travel a lot. So uh, I see, see friends in different parts of the country. And uh, gosh, where, where was I recently? Um, I was in uh, Miami and uh, I had my shirt off and I was taking some pictures and I saw some people I hadn't seen in like six months. And they're like, did you put on another 10 pounds of muscle? So like it's, I'm growing quickly and I'm in my forties. This is unheard of. Like generally it doesn't happen ever. Uh, so, and that's why it has to do with the appropriate level of force and the appropriate range of motion. And uh, it's so simple. We'll be right back after this important announcement. I've been studying not only the cause of modern disease, but also natural treatments for those diseases for over two decades. And after all of that research and everything that I've learned, one of the most important things that I've discovered is the fact that many of our diseases are caused by non-native blue light. That means exposing ourselves to alien light after dark. You know, we've evolved to only see firelight, moonlight, and starlight after dark, but when we invented the incandescent light bulb, which I'm sitting under right now and I'm so grateful for, we basically trashed our health. So if you're someone that cares about your health, it's really important that you start protecting yourself from blue light at night. And that means all the white light all around you. It's really easy to do that thanks to a company called Blue Blocks. If you go to blueblocks.com, that's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, you will find a variety of eyewear, much of it very attractive, also have prescription glasses, reading glasses, and just regular glasses that protect you from blue light. And these glasses, they make block 100% of the light in the negative range. In other words, don't tell your brain that it's noon when it's midnight, guys. Really, really easy fix. And the health problems that result from this exposure to blue light are endless. I don't want to use the C word and I'm not trying to like use scare tactics, but it's honestly just the reality of it. So many of our modern diseases come from exposure to this light at night. It really trashes your sleep and melatonin, neurotransmitters, hormones. It totally sucks. So get out in the sun as much as you can safely. Get natural light in your eyes. And then at night, protect your brain and your eyes from blue light using Blue Blocks. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com. Here's the really good news. If you use the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, you're going to save 15% off your protective blue blocking eyewear. And now back to the interview. For people that are listening, speaking of the simplicity, I, I just want to explain for those that don't know what the X3 bar is, we're looking at it right now. And those of you that are on YouTube, we're going to, we're going to work out after the interview and show the OsteoStrong machines and also show the X3. And I'm going to do a little workout because I just want to, I want to try it out with the man who invented it himself because that's the privileges you get as a, a podcast host. But essentially, we've got a bar, right? What do you call it? An Olympic bar? Yeah, it's a spec of an Olympic bar. So okay. it's a knurled uh, steel bar. And then it has bearings that allow these hooks on the end that hold the world's heaviest latex uh, in place so that you can change your joint angle 
Oh, and cool. It, it always stays level. See, you don't get that when you lift weights or work no. with machines. No, you don't. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So that's why your joints don't get... Well, Olympic bars do have bearings. They do? Oh, okay. Olympic okay. bars do, but standard machines don't. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of awkward wrist positioning in standard machines because people don't understand it. Yeah. The manufacturers have no interest in adding complexity and cost to their equipment. So sometimes somebody will use like a some kind of chest press or something like that and they'll notice their wrists are a little sore afterward. Yeah. It's because well, there is a little torsion in there. But if you haven't worked with a trainer who has some sort of concept of biomechanics too, it's very easy to injure yourself because especially in machines, I mean, free weights, yeah. I think a little less so, but in the gym machines, I'm always like, uh, I don't think I'm doing this right. You could feel your joints hurting. Neural inhibition. So, okay, so we've got the bar and then there's these thick bands. The one I'm looking at right now is like, what, three inches wide, two and a half inches wide? Yep. And, uh, and, and about two and a half inches wide. Maybe like three and three feet long, three and a half feet long. 41, it's one. a 41 inch loop band, but okay. it's not made of uh, uh, petroleum rubber. This is tree rubber. This is, it's latex. So actual latex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like if, when I when like when you do the chest press, it's doubled over around your back and you push the bar away from you. But you know, that's that's as thick as my pinky finger. Yeah, it's a block intense. of latex that is it's like King Kong. It's like a wide. rubber band to King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> it's like something like that. Yeah. Um and then there's a plate yeah. for depending on the move you're doing. This this, this band is uh, three hundred pounds at extension for doing a chest press. Jesus. But if you're seven times stronger in your stronger range, yeah. don't you really need that? Right, because the people who are who are listening, you think about, oh, I'll never need a three hundred pound band. Well, yeah, you actually will, because you have no idea what you're capable of in the stronger range of motion. Right, and that's what people get it, and they go, wow, I can actually use like the heaviest. Some some of the stronger people can use the heaviest band. And then this isn't even the we we sell one called the elite band, which is separate, and that's five hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah, and then people can even combine them. I know a guy who deadlifts with the heavy band and the elite band. So that's uh, 800 pounds. Jesus, yeah. dude. Well, you know, it's, he, he needs to get that force. He's, right. he's, a, he's a former uh, football player. He's right, right. crazy strong. So we've got yeah. the bar and then the rubber band. And then there's a, there's a big plate that, that yeah. w- you know, when you're doing like curls, for example, that goes on the ground and you stand on that. And then the bar or the, um, the band wraps around right. that. And then in your hand wraps around the bar. So the, the reason for the plate is a lot of band protocols. People just step on the band. But most fitness bands are between 5 and 20 pounds. And sometimes they'll say it's like 300 pounds. Like there's one on, on, on um, Amazon that's like, it's a 300-pound band. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I know, I know it's, it's a band bundle actually. And I played with it. And yes, it's, it's 500 pounds. If you stretch it 15 feet, that's the failure point of the band. So they're pr- pretty much screwing with the math and the engineering. So you won't get 300 pounds, but it is it will take 300 pounds. So it's like, it's an irrelevant oh. number. I'm talking about <laughs> right. what's actually being put into the muscle. Right. That's the only thing that counts. Right. Like the, actually all of the, the bands for X3, I mean, ironically, are tested up to a thousand pounds. Even the tiny one. Wow. So it's like they could all be called a thousand. So it's just, that's just that's just some goofy thing that. And that, why do you use latex instead of uh, instead of rubber? Because uh, molded rubber stretches out. Oh, so it wears longer, out. Yeah, wears out real quick. 
uh, especially you know, in with the, the very high forces that that people are, are capable of creating with this type of strength training. So, um, yeah, molded rubber is junk, and um, most of these rubberized band fitness products, they're twenty dollar kind of pieces of junk. They might be oh be okay for like rehabilitation, which is why you walk into a physical therapist office and you see a lot of banned products, but a lot of those for like outward rotation kind of thing. Or, right. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not for, they're not for strength training. If you took these latex bands and you tried to do a deadlift without this ground plate, you might injure or break your ankles. Oh, right. Because, because of the force that's right, turning because, your ankles. So in. what I needed to do is create a second ground. That's right. what this is. Right. This is the plate is. So the plate, the bar, and then the band set are all critical. And when I travel, I don't like leave part of it at home. It's you got to have the whole thing. So when you and then you don't have to go and what? Well, I think one thing that's cool about this, and now of course I like I need to get one of these and make myself work out. Um, <laughs> one thing that's cool, and I think one of the biggest barriers to entry for me is the idea of going into a gym under like really bad artificial light and EMF. It's just. It's like not an environment and really bad music usually, or at least what I consider bad music that's mm. really loud and the smell of all the plastics and rubbers and off-gassing. It's like to me, most yeah, gyms- Floors like and lights that are buzzing. Yeah, dude, most commercial gyms are like yeah, the yeah. most unhealthy environment yeah, and you're going funny. there to get healthy. So I think what's cool about this, I'm like, oh, dude, I could go out in the woods and do this. I could do it on the beach. I could do it on the lawn. I, I can, always film I my videos outside. Yeah. That's, that's At, freaking cool. Yeah, lifting outside is great. And so how many, like, A, if somebody buys one of these uh, setups, how many different parts are there to the X3 bar and how much does it cost? Or are there different, like, There's variations? the bar, the plate, and then there's four bands that it comes with. Oh, okay. Of varying degrees of, of power. Most of the lower strength individuals can use the lightest band. Most very strong people are doing great with the stronger band. And then the elite, is as the name would suggest for really strong people. Yeah, there's there's probably now what's very interesting is the customer base has typically been very high level strength guys. Oh, we yeah. have an elite. Yeah, yeah. Here's, oh, a, here's Jesus, an elite man. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> dude, this looks like it's part of a tank or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, this yeah, is crazy. It's like, it's like a tank. And, Holy and crap. Uh, yeah, there are some people who get it and they're like, yeah, I got it. I, uh, I actually can't move it even a millimeter. Right. I think but I, I would, what I tell I them is like, just keep using the one a level lower and right. you'll get there. Right. Wow, dude. And how much does it cost to uh, get one of these setups? So, uh, well, it's $530, $529 for the, the setup. And then it's $89 for the Elite Band. But your listeners get fifty dollars off, oh, and the, dis- the discount code is Luke. Woo woo! Yep, love that. Listen carefully. I love guys. that. My listeners love that too. Yep. So yep. many people get that now, and so and also people can, you know, when I've used it, it's been here at the Osseo Strong in West LA, right? And, and I've you know let me I've make taken one, it, let me make one distinction. Yeah. Just make sure, and the, I got some confusion after after I did the Dave Asprey podcast. X three does not do bone. Yeah, right, right, right. I got that. If this is for building large muscle. Yes. Uh, women love it because it grows hamstrings, which women have a lot of very, very underdeveloped hamstrings typically because it's deadlifts that build hamstrings and that's dangerous for the back and women don't want to hurt their back or their neck. So with when you do an X3 
deadlift instead of a standard deadlift, you offload the position where you normally injure and you hyperload the position where you're powerful and you just grow. And so, so hamstrings get bigger right. and it stretches the skin. So the reason a lot of leaner women, and I hear this from women all the time. In fact, if, if we ever want to get the attention of a lot of women, we could just go to a restaurant and start talking about hamstrings growing and stretching out the skin so cellulite goes away. Like every woman in earshot will stop talking and like <laughs> lean into the conversation. Wait, wait, what did you just say? So this is a huge issue. Uh, and, and now they can deliver that force into their hamstrings. You just grow that muscle a little bit, stretches the skin out. Now, what you thought was body fat was just really loose skin and it's not loose anymore. It's nice and tight. It looks feminine. So basically, basically for like 500 bucks, you have your own home gym that's totally portable. You could throw in the trunk of your car. And totally superior to like anything else. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, I'll never lift a weight again. That's a waste of time. That's kind of what I'm getting. In terms of going back to the osteostrong machines, you know, as I think about living somewhere other than Los Angeles where I've been for 30 years, now I'm so, you know, hooked and habituated into so many great things like I have here. How well healed would someone have to be to like buy their four osteostrong machines and have them in their house? Are we talking like a couple hundred thousand dollars or something? Yeah. It's pretty out there, right? Yeah, it's pretty out there. And uh, actually, we don't even sell them to individuals uh, other than investors like Tony Robbins. Right. So Tony Robbins has them in his house. I bet. Uh, he has everything in his house. Everything I've ever heard of that's awesome, he has five of them. Um, yeah, seriously, like every time I hear about a biotech that it, he does, I met... I he, has, at, he has rooms at each one of his homes just full of all of his kind of biohacking stuff. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a good... Uh, he's a discerning uh, user and customer. So when he gets behind something, it gets my attention. And actually, you know, come sure. to think of it, that's how I first heard of OsteoStrong was at his Unleash the Power Within in San Jose. He did quite a big presentation about it. And then mm-hmm. I was working an event here in LA and, um, and met Sarah there because nice. I was annoying her with my juve light that was shining in her face. <laughs> She's like, do you think you could turn that the other way or turn it off? And then we nice. became, you know, I became friends with these two and coming in here. But yeah, when Tony gets behind something, it definitely signals that there's some legitimacy there. He's, he seems to be on the cutting edge when it comes to this kind of stuff. So um, you, you, with the business model with OsteoStrong, does it work as you know, like a franchise model yeah, where they license the machine and, and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, and uh, it's probably the coolest business that you could ever get involved with because the machines are robotic and automated. You still want the, the, the session coach to be with someone to answer any questions and make sure they're just using it properly. But uh, the machines are, are pretty automated. They track data automatically when people log in. And there's not a lot of permitting, not a lot of cost to set up one of these things. So they're just dynamite businesses. And uh, you end up with a lot of happy people that you're helping live longer and happier. Like, you know, like if you and I owned a bar, at the end of some of the days when we like, you know, wheelbarrow people out of the bar, because I just think you and I would own that kind of bar. <laughs> of course. Yeah. If you're going to so, have a bar, if you're gonna do have it right. Bar, it's got to have a wheelbarrow. Do and it right. Throwing dudes in there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, at some point we look at each other and go, you know what? I don't really know if we're doing the right thing for people. And this, this place is just magic because people walk out of here with these, and especially people who have like no other options for their health. 
Like some of them are, are compromised or some of them are, are high performance athletes. There's a former NFL player that comes in this location who he's got a lot of joint pain. Now he, when you look at him, you think, Oh, that guy's just like, everything's perfect in his body. No, no, no. That's me. Him. He's all beat up because he's been lifting standard weights for a long time. And he, it's like, this guy is just like, you know, gritting his teeth when he gets out of a chair because so many things hurt. The look on that guy's face after his first experience here, I was lucky enough to be here. It was like, I can put heavy load on my body with both the X3 and, and with the Osteostrong. And he has an X3 now, right? He, yeah, 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 he has an X3 home. Uh, so he's now able to put tremendous forces on the body, stimulate even more muscular growth, stimulate bone, and, and now tendons and ligaments with the osteostrong devices, making them thicker, making his joints more powerful, and he's cutting his pain. So the guy, the guy walks out of here with the same smile that, that, they, that you know, somebody who's like a, a 75-year-old mother walks out with. I think, yeah. Because yeah. what's so cool is in, in this perspective, from a bone, tendon, ligament perspective, we're all the same. The NFL guy and the little old lady, they're the same. They get the same issues. Now, for different reasons. One's disuse. The other one is abusive use, but dysfunction in both cases. And we're rehabbing those dysfunctions and making them more powerful than they ever were. I think that's what's uh, one of the things that's interesting from an observational standpoint is when I come in here, I do see a lot of people that are super fit and athletic that, you know, look like people that do sports or are in the gym a lot. And then there are a lot of elderly people too, you know, that are in here just rocking it, which is is really cool to be able to hit that wide of a demographic. And then then we, we call them like needs people and performance people. Right. But it's really the same thing. Right. Yeah. And the other thing that you mentioned too is the uh, software interface that tracks what you do. I think that's a really important component because, you know, I'm incentivized by gamifying things when I'm, yeah. you know, I track my sleep sure, with my aura sure. ring and I'm I'm always tracking my performance. Otherwise, is that the new aura ring? It is, yeah. That's I sanded cool. I mine was. down so it was a little yeah. less shiny. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. But, you know, for example, just with that, yeah, I know sleep's important and I try to go to bed early and get a good night's sleep and I care about it. But I care about it a hell of a lot more when I wake up in the morning, I check my score and I'm like, fuck yeah, 92, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, sure. or I wake up and I'm like 64. Oh man, what did I do? And then I look back, and go, oh yeah, I ate a steak at midnight, you know, bad move or whatever it yeah. is. Um, so when I started coming in here and doing the OsteoStrong machines, you know, I put in my phone number, boop, boop, boop. And then it shows me my best score, which is my last score, and shows me the current one. Yeah. And it incentivizes me because I see the gains are massive and yes. I'm like getting so much stronger. And then I, I came in here, I think last time I was in here, I was on the heels of a gnarly flu or some bug I had for two weeks. And my and I hadn't been in for, I don't know, maybe I want to say a month or month and a half or something. It was a pretty long break traveling and sure. then I got sick and stuff. But even though I was totally weak sauce, my score was still higher than when I first came here, which is interesting. So I didn't, I didn't digress and go back or regress back before I started. If you have more bone. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was really interesting. I mean, I was disappointed, but it still encouraged me because I'm like, well, I'm still better off than my baseline when I started. Yeah. And I could see my highest score. And I was like, what? I pressed 1,200 pounds before or whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. whatever number. So 
I've been able to kind of gamify it and quantify and get those results. And then they get emailed to me too. I think that's a a big influence on the compliance factor too and getting someone to habituate to it. Whereas you come in and you're like, I don't know, is it working? I guess I'm getting better. It's like, who wants to do that? If I see my results every single time, then I want to beat my own score. You know, it's like a video game. Yeah. You know, it's like, why would you ever play a video game if there was no scoring? Well, and then also when you have friends that do it, then you're like kind of comparing scores and holding each other accountable. That feels pretty good too. How many different cities in the world uh, do these facilities exist in? 70. What? Yeah, there's 70 Are locations. Are serious? Yeah. Uh, oh, I have, had no idea. I thought yeah. it was kind of just rolling out and there was just a few here it and there. It is just rolling out. That's a lot though. Yeah, but... How many... Know. What countries is it in? Just for starters, for people listening, if they're like, I want to try this. Uh, Sweden, Denmark, Spain, Greece, Australia, United States. Wow. No wonder you travel a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and this right. and the one we're in right now, Iceland. Is, Iceland is coming online very soon too. Oh, cool! Yeah. That's uh, that's on my bucket list. I want to go there and go to Hot Springs. Um, and then so this is the one in LA. Then we're in West LA. Uh, for people that are listening, a lot of my listeners live in LA and New York. Do you have one in New York City? Interestingly enough, no. That's one of because <laughs> real estate is so, who who can afford I think space that's, there. That's the, that's the question is like you you test a business model somewhere and then New Yorkers are like yeah well you don't have one in New York right because it's right. just different yeah but uh, we have one in couple in Connecticut just, oh okay you know yeah you could you could get there no Hop, problem skipping a jump yeah yeah take train all right so dude I, when I'm looking at you and you know I've never been highly incentivized by getting ripped and being a you know big buff guy me neither. Um, Actually, you know, maybe I was, I was born with a decent enough mug. I think that I could get by without having to be super in shape, but I look at you and you're a freaking monster, dude. You are (laughs) ripped. So my question is, if I fully committed to my bone density, using the X3, doing my 10 minutes a day, which I also want to ask you about too, because that's appealing to me that it's, you know, an hour and a half in the goddamn gym every day. If I committed to that, say for a year and I went hardcore and was yeah. very disciplined about it, Would I? could I actually become a guy that ha- had big muscles where yes. you're like, holy shit, that guy's fit. Yeah, you could put on a lot Even of Even though I'm an ectomorph kind of now, tall, yeah, skinny guy. W- so one thing, there's a lot of, so like my, my video series I do on YouTube is called Falsehoods of Fitness. Oh, cool. I got to watch those. You're not watching that? No, you dude. said, like, okay. No, uh, no. That's I thought you'd been watching them. That's from a couple podcasts I got that. Okay. Okay. So I started doing this recently. I just did my fifth one. Oh, cool. Okay, good. And uh, let's just talk about like some of these things that just won't go away. Like cardio is good for losing weight. Yeah, that's false. Uh, uh, the the I did, uh, you need to use a full range of motion. Like that's another falsehood of fitness. I take these things that, oh, training parts of a muscle. Like people who have, there's people who have entire programs based on how to train your upper versus lower pecs. Yep. Fake news. That you can't do that. <laughs> oh, no, really? Yeah. Oh, you just reminded me that was one of yeah. my questions. Because one of the sort of body dysmorphic issues issues I have when I look in the mirror is I have these huge sort of caves up in my upper chest. And so it kind of gives me moobs. You know, even when I work out my chest a bit and bench press and stuff, it doesn't build up up here. So the I don't... The whole thing I don't will get, like, eventually I don't develop. get uniformly uh, uh, built pecs. Sure. And I do think there's there's somewhat of a, a latency. Like you'll see like young guys when they start developing their biceps, uh, the bicep just kind of gets wider instead of taller. And then that seems to come on later. 
Interesting. in development. Right. So some some individuals that you know, there's no it's a noticeable like like a different shape coming into a muscle as the muscle develops, but this the shape of your muscle, whether it be big or small, ultimately is like your fingerprint. Like you're not changing it. Right. It's just that's the way it is. Right. Like people with uneven abdominals, it's not like they trained wrong. That's just that's like their fingerprint. They're just not even. And very few people have very, you know, exact even abdominal muscles. So the, the so I, I try and dispel these myths. Where was I going with that? I brought that up. Um, I, I was talking about whether or not I could get ripped. I oh. think is where I was going. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's That's get good. back to the most important That's question most of important the interview. <laughs> uh, so yes, absolutely. And the one of the thing, the reason I brought up falsehoods of fitness is one of the things that's not a falsehood of fitness is uh, the protein recommendations. So there's some very solid research on two point five, uh, two point four grams of protein uh, per kilogram of body weight, which is awful close because 2.4 versus 2.2, the conversion factor. So it's almost like a gram per pound of body weight for the American listeners. Oh, thank Otherwise, you. I'm an American listener. I was already trying to do the math. And yeah, very you're mentally, right. Mentally fatigued. Yeah. So yeah, I weigh 220 and I try and get... It's, it's Being 220, I'm 100 kilograms. So it's, it's really easy for me to do that math. So I, I try and get like uh, 240 grams of protein a day. Holy crap. Yeah, it's not. There's, there's that guys out there. There's bodybuilders that say you need to have like you know, more so than that. I, I don't know if you're. I'm going to put you on the spot with your math skills. So if I'm if I'm 180, how many grams of protein I want to take per day? Uh, that would be like um, like 190. Okay. Yeah. Noted. All right. I'm going to pay yeah. attention. 190 to that. grams of protein is going. But like, if you just eat a couple pounds of steak, like you know, uh, uh, a pound of medium marbled red meat will have 100 grams of protein. A pound of chicken will have 125 grams of protein. Shit! So I need to step up my protein game. That's that's one of the biggest problems. Seriously, is, is they're not they're not getting the the right amount of protein. Because I think that's my co-host Cookie. Uh, I I probably I don't eat red meat every day. Some days I do fish, and um, some days I do fish, fish, bacon, and and grass fed beef is probably my thing. But I feel like I'll make maybe a half pound burger and I'm full as hell. That's kind of my one big meal of but the day. But do you have so. anything else with it? Ghee, uh, maybe a little sauerkraut, some avocado. Okay. I'm trying to think what else. Mm, that's pretty much it because I really suck at cooking. When you start using X3, what you're going to start doing, Yeah, your appetite's going to go up. Because okay. your body's going to... that Remember that environment I talked about? Right, the environment's right. going to be like, all right, we need to grow more muscle. Yeah. If I'm not doing any kind of high-intensity workout or really, or, you know, working with weight training at all, then it makes sense that my body doesn't have the demand for it. So I'm yeah. like, eh, eat a burger every night. I'm good kind of thing. You know who Dr. Sean Baker is? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The, the the carnivore. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I heard yeah, him yeah. on Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. He... um. I think he's up to like five pounds of meat a day. <laughs> oh, God. But My he's huge. He's tall and right. uh, he holds world records in indoor rowing. So he's rowing every day. And he, and he also holds, I think, a couple world records in the deadlift. So he's, he's using a lot of energy, more than, than I'm using even with X3. He's big. He's, he's, he's got a lot of mass. So he's, he's doing a lot of that strength training. So... He's got an appetite for it. He needs yeah. it. Yeah. He's growing. 
film because he just really upped his protein uh, when he went carnivore. And he's like, it's, it's, I think he's in the best shape of his life. One of my brothers uh, went carnivore, I, I want to say, uh, maybe four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been sick. No. There's no inflammation. He's the healthiest he's ever been. It defies all logic. I mean, I'm like... <laughs> We've been told for so long that meat was bad. Yeah, but, but yeah. even like, you know, to me, I mean, I, 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 I feel great when I eat grass-fed meat and a lot of fat. Like, I'm, I'm home free. I feel great. But my brother, I'm like, don't you want to take some spirulina or some superfoods? And he's like, nope. He only does meat. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's only one superfood. It's steak. He's like, dude, I've never felt better in my yeah. life. And I'm Mr. Health Nut and I'm taking all these herbs and supplements and, you know, just yeah. like next level. And I've been sick twice in the past year. And he's like, dude, stop eating sugar. I mean, I, you know, I don't eat a lot of sugar, but I'll eat wild blueberries or something like that. You when know? you get to the level of ketogenesis that a carnivore diet puts you in, you really like the taste of sugar is just kind of gross. Wow. Yeah. I just feel it's Do you eat any carbs or grains? Very little. Ultimately, nobody's zero carbohydrate because yeah. even meat has carbohydrates in it because there's glycogen in, you know, in the cells and the, the, the meat. Uh, so there's no such thing. And when I can't get like enough steaks, which happens in Europe because they like serving like little four ounce, you know. <laughs> right. I, was, I was in Amsterdam <laughs> with uh, a friend of mine the other day. God, I do travel a lot. Uh, and I, I, I actually ate like a platter of steaks. Like I said, I want like <laughs> four orders six steaks and they're like, no, you don't. Yeah, I really do. And uh, yeah, I ate them all, but sometimes I just can't even get the right amount of meat. So there's a, there's a, like a, it's called meat snacks, snacks spelled S N X, which I hate when they do that because you can never find it you know, online. Right. Uh, uh, made by a retired, two retired athletes, uh, Dave Hawk and Kurt Angler, you know, the, the, what was he, a weightlifter? And then he tr- went to WWF. Oh, okay. Don't know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, you really, you're not a fan of WWF? That's weird. Uh, <laughs> You'd never guess yeah. looking at me. The, uh, so, so, uh, you know, those guys came up with this uh, chicken protein product, which I have recommended and it's it's not the best because they do cook it in vegetable oil, which is just like, ah. That's a fail. Damn it. Yeah, it's yeah. a fail. But I'll do it every once in a while when, when it's just like I have no other options. And it's just dehydrated chicken. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That, well, I think yeah. my dog dehydrated uh, raw meat and yeah. she seems to be doing well. Yep. Give me a couple. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you before I forget, actually, and then I want to, I want to, I want to blast through a couple of the big health myths because I'm, a, I'm a huge myth buster and I just love shattering misinformation. We, we, you got, we got, you got to tune in to, to my false. <laughs> I'm definitely fitness. going to, but I'm, I want to, I want to get you a couple. The, the trolls are awesome because oh, they yeah, come out of the woodwork, and I always say at the end, it's like if you disagree with me, I don't care, like because yeah. I'm referencing published research. It's not even. It's not like it's my opinion, right? So I, I, I explain what the myth is and why it's inaccurate. And here's, I usually give one or two studies, try and go for meta-analysis if there is one, because that's the strongest kind of medical research. Uh, But, or physiology research, whatever. But uh, ultimately, like there are people who are emotionally tied, emotionally tied to a training program. And when you show them evidence that that is wrong, they're angry. Why? You think you're doing them a favor. I don't know. 
They're nuts. Well, they probably feel like they've been wasting their time and they don't want to address sure. that. Uh, but the, before I get into a couple of those and then we'll, we'll you know, we'll start to wrap it up so mm. we can go through a, a little training circuit here, which I'm excited about. Uh, I've gone back and forth on, you know, I'm a huge fan of ice baths and cryo and also mm-hmm. infrared saunas. When I first started doing, well, I've been doing ice baths for a long time, but when I started incorporating them into a workout, yeah. I would work out, get super sore and sweaty. Then I'd go in the ice bath and it was amazing because I recovered so fast. I had no lactic acid, no inflammation, no soreness. Everyone else who I'm working out with is the next day like, oh, I got to take a rest day. I'm too sore. I'm like, what? I'm ready to go again. Yeah. Then I started listening to Rhonda Patrick and she says, no, if you're trying to build, I guess it depends on your goals, but if you're trying to build muscle, you don't want to do an ice bath after you work out because right. you're killing the inflammation that's going to build muscle. So I started doing an ice bath before I work out and I'm a zillion times stronger. I don't get fatigued. I'm not all hot and sweaty. I I feel amazing. So now I've switched my preference to doing an ice bath before I work out. And afterward, I just let the... I just let it roll. Yeah. Or I might go do a sauna. Do no, you have she's any? Totally correct. Yeah. You have. You, you, what are your thoughts on ice baths, saunas? When do you do them? If you, if your goal is to gain strength and muscle, you just said it. That's it. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever do an ice bath before you train with the X three bar, or is that not Sometimes. part of your protocol? You do. Sometimes, if I can, like legit find like an ice plunge. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Or cryo. Yeah, I would definitely do it before. Yeah. Do you find uh, you're stronger uh, yeah. after oh, you do cold exposure? Okay, yeah. so it's not just in my head? No, you're firing more tissue. Oh, like, uh, okay. A lot of what's happening, and the reason why ice baths and cryo upregulate growth hormone is the same reason that stabilization firing, which you get a lot of in X3, upregulates growth hormone. When you fire a muscle via reflex. I wrote a meta-analysis on this. And I'm actually now uh, on the editorial board of the Journal of Steroids and Hormonal Science, which is not like steroids isn't cheating in sports. It's anabolic chemicals either created endogenously inside the body or, or exogenously via medication protocol to look at different dysfunctions in the body. And so what, what I theorized or what what seemed like a possibility and I put to the test was there's so many instances where growth hormone was upregulated via stability protocols. So whole body vibration or other things, precursors. And so the theory I had was what if reflexive firing is a huge driver of upregulation of growth hormone. And then when you look at like sprinters, <clears throat> sprinters are very high growth hormone. Uh, distance runners suppress growth hormone, very low. So wh- the difference in what's going on in the body is the distance runner is trying to fire as little muscle as possible. So they got a little bit of leg activity and their head's bobbing up and down, right? But you look at the skull of a sprinter, Looks like it was lined up with a laser. Head doesn't move. Wow. And the, and the stride is much bigger, much more explosive movements. The toe strike, the contact, far higher force. They're blasting off of each leg as quickly as they can with as much force uh, as, the, as the momentum plus their body weight. <clears throat> Yet their head doesn't move. They have incredible amounts of stabilization firing. So what... 
we saw in this research, we found 23 different data sets that showed massive upregulations of growth hormone based on stabilization firing. The only thing that attenuated a difference, either a low response, and by low, I still mean high, like 400% was on the low side, 2,600% was on the high side, was adding force to the stabilization firing. And so that's the product that I came out with as an accessory to X3. Uh, so you do your X3 on a vibration platform. There's a vib- vibration platform. Oh, cool. It's called the Growth Hormone Accelerator, the GH Accelerator. Really? Yeah. And the top of the X3 plugs right into it. So you've got the band, you've got the second ground in there. And then so you can do your X3 under vibration. So it's making you slightly unstable as you're... Now you're already getting a growth hormone effect with the regular X3 because as you have to stabilize with weights you could never handle or get there in the stronger ranges of motion, that's happening. But you can amplify that with a GH accelerator. Uh, Damn, but that's yeah, cool. so that's But that's the same thing you're getting, going, bringing this back to cryo, when you shiver. Ah, interesting. Because yeah, that's an afferent activation. Afferent activations in rapid succession yield a greater level of growth hormone. Hot damn. That's yeah. cool as shit. Yeah. So well, now, I mean, I don't like being cold. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll do an ice plunge. I think they, they do feel exhilarating. <clears throat> but uh, I, I prefer the protocol that, that I'm, where I'm using just, you know, either just an X3. Because I travel so much, I don't have my GH accelerator. Right. And then where would, if they do fit in, where would infrared saunas play into your protocol? That's a great question. I don't know where I'd put that. Like, I know the benefits. Yeah. Great benefits to infrared saunas, uh, especially for older people. I don't know where I'd put that though. Okay. Like, that could be first thing in the morning. I like it first thing in the morning if I can, because I definitely feel like I'm. it woke me up. Right. Like, you're never tired coming out of an infrared sauna. Right. So, but that's the way I do it because I just kind of drag my feet in the morning. Yeah. I, I do not leap out of bed singing. Yeah, that makes uh, two of us, especially yeah. with my new sunrise protocol. Jesus. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, I've never been a guy who, like, I, I have friends. There, there are two guys in, in my fraternity house. So just be like, launch out of bed at like seven in the morning and they're yelling at each other, uh, uh, talking about their day and just like, hey. Those people Fuck are those people yeah. are freaks. Let's face it. Hey, they're sorry, they're morning, sorry, morning people, yeah. but you guys are freaking Martians. Yeah, I, I can drink. I need to drink coffee for like two hours, and you can come into my office and talk to me, and I'll just probably agree to anything. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like we're gonna burn down the building. Okay, well, you know, try not to make a mess like that. Yeah, I just I'm not even really engaged. Yeah, I, I'm with you right there. Uh, okay, as as. As we start to come to a close here, I got to ask, you know, and I'll refer people to your YouTube videos. What are maybe like your top two or three health myths that piss people off the most? Ah, yeah. I get the sideways hat, idiots. Uh, all fired up. <laughs> I've never heard that. I like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I, I know like, like the guys who, who kick and scream online, it's like high school kid or adult with sideways hat. Yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that, a lot of um, that is an actual you know, archetype. Like now that their, you mentioned it, their job is they work at Batman. You know, like that's not a thing. That's not a company. <laughs> Batman is a cartoon character. 
So, uh, yeah, it's just like, like they're almost there or, or, or if they have a fake name, that's another one. Like if their name is like Mickety Mike, like, mm, <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. So, um, the things that get these, the, these, uh, unintelligent people really upset explaining how, well, basically weightlifting is not the best way to get as strong as possible. That really upsets them. Now there's two reasons. One is just dogma. Which is that just stupid? Like you just you just believe that like it's a religion. Well, Arnold did it, so it's got to be right. Arnold did a lot of things wrong. Arnold has a whole section in, in one of his books about stretching out your rib cage, which will make your upper body bigger. Swear to God, in the Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding today, like it's still being printed. That is the stupidest thing, you know. And I don't know if he actually wrote it or if somebody else wrote that and he just put his name on it, but it's like. There's a lot of things that were said back in the 60s and 70s that are still myths in weightlifting. And I think part of the problem with uh, social media is the people who probably have the, most likely have the lowest level of intelligence also have the greatest amount of free time. So it's like a sea of bad information when you go into fitness or nutrition or politics. Like even no matter what side you're on in politics, you definitely are going to see the stupidest news shared the most. So so you, uh, I, I see these guys when, when I say like, this is better. It's like, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? And they're just mentioning like genetically gifted people who hold like records in strength or bodybuilding. And it's like, yeah, and? So nothing can ever be better. Like, what's your point? And uh, then the other one, so that's the dogma guys. And, and then the other, the other ones are more like, it's their identity. This is the sad people. Their identity in life is, I lift heavyweights. You can tell by, their, like you click on their profile and every single thing is about how they lift dangerous weights. Therefore, they're really great people. And that's who they are. And then when you say there's another way, they're really hurt by that because it's a, insulting their identity. Now, I mean, if, if the best thing you have to say for yourself is you lift heavyweights. It's like, okay, like, no family, career, friends. <laughs> you got to really look hard in the mirror, bro. Uh, but that's kind of depressing because I, I don't want to hurt anybody's thing. Like, first of all, if you don't like the product, don't buy it. You know? Just don't go to the gym, I guess. Like you're going to hurt yourself. Maybe, maybe not. There's some people that don't, plenty of people that don't, but you know, a lot do. So, hey, go do whatever you need to do, but don't, don't light me on fire for it. Uh, so, uh, so th- those, are, those are the strange ones. Um, training parts of a muscle. That's another one where I think emotionally people want to believe in that. They want to imagine they can build their upper pecs. And, and then sometimes you look at their profile and it's like, you got a lot more problems in your upper pecs. Like, like you work out like at all, like just seeing like those kind of individuals and not sure why they're so upset. Uh, there's a lot of endurance athletes that don't like the whole, like it's not really good for weight loss, but <clears throat> I mentioned to them, when's the leanest you've ever been? Was it when you were doing a lot of cardio and they all say the same thing? No, you know, it's funny. It's usually in the off season because now all of a sudden their cortisol down regulates and because they eat very controlled diets, then they start shedding body fat. So yeah, th- those are the, those are the little things, but 
it's being drowned out by the success because we have you know a couple thousand raving fans now. So. Yeah, that's cool. I want to get in that Facebook group and get you have some, to. and get some yeah. inspiration and see yeah. That. Oh, we see the before and after pictures in there. They're awesome. I want to ask you one more thing before I do my my uh, you know uh, regular last question, which will hopefully be a surprise for you. Mm. How does if if one was to use the X three and you start building muscle, how does that correlate to losing fat? Like you know, and I'm I'm always just super real and personal on the show. When I look in the mirror naked, I think ah, I look all right. I'm not someone that cares that much about it. Otherwise, I'd be in much better shape. I have resources to do that. But one thing I really don't like is my belly fat. Like I've never, since I'm maybe 26, 27, never been able to have a flat stomach again. Mm-hmm. Are there any exercises with this thing that I could do that would assist with that? Or if I'm just building giant, large muscle groups, am I just going to start burning more fat? Because you can't do like, a lot of people I think, oh, I want to have abs, so I'll do sit-ups. And I even I kind of know that's not going to work. No. You know what I mean? That's probably one another myth, you know? Um, yeah, that that's definitely so for like someone, focus on your abs to get abs. Nope. Well, fortunately, even the sideways hat idiots know that, and there's a saying they use is abs are made in the kitchen. So they understand it's it's just about cutting your body fat and then, then everything shows. So <clears throat> fortunately, even those guys haven't figured out. But the way to drop body fat for me in the protocol that I'm recommending with, with X3 is by using the X3 upregulating growth hormone, provided you stick the, to the nutritional principles. The way I recommend a ketogenic diet is similar to like the way Dave recommends it, which is pretty easy to follow. Really just getting rid of sugar and eating green, darker green vegetables and, and animal animal protein. Now, what I recommend and what I do are a little different. What I'm doing is a little more hardcore than that because I'm carnivore, I'm pure carnivore. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all... Oh, How long have you been so, doing that? Uh, um, November 17. Wow. So, you know, 13 months. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah leaner, threat. faster, stronger. Robert's doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I said that was my last question, but it's not. Another one just came to mind. Now, I get in trouble sometimes on my show because people feel like I'm picking on vegetarians or vegans because I was a vegetarian for 10 years and I was very unhealthy. So my personal story is like, God, that shit almost killed me. So I'm not a huge fan. However, I always say, dude, whatever works for you. I don't care if you yeah. want to go eat a box of rocks. I don't give a shit. Like I have no business in getting people to eat one way right. or another. But Just don't tell me how to eat. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, you know, I don't go tell people you need to eat salmon every day just because I do. It's like I really don't no, care. But no. out of just education and curiosity, say let's say someone is plant based or, or you know, um, a vegan and they want to get ripped. I know there are some bodybuilders and you know some men and women out there that are super fit and have big muscles and look ripped that don't eat any animal products. Vegans can do it. So what, so, what yeah. how do you get and, that much protein? And, like what are you eating? Pea protein by the yeah. fucking gallon yeah. a day? Yeah, or? that's it. It's a lot of refined protein. Okay. Pea, alfalfa, rice. But like the right the right types of proteins, uh um 
Sun Warrior makes a good product. Oh, Vega yeah, I've had makes that, a yeah. good the, the regular Vega is not that great. Uh, it's got like sugar in it, shit. Vega, I think it's either called Sport or Performance. So you can build muscle as yeah, long and I, as, and I, yeah, and as, long as you put, as long as you put in enough protein in the body, it doesn't matter if it's animal or plant based. It, it does matter. Like okay. there's a bioavailability and quality of protein that I get you only hurt get with when me. I have vegan people send me shit for free you know they oh try our box of this you get heartburn anytime yeah I try the vegan powders I don't care if it's peas or what they make it out of it gives me heartburn so bad it's just I can't digest that stuff I'm open to it I'm like yeah. cool yeah send me your protein and I try yeah, it it's like every I, time I've, I get sick yeah I don't I don't know what to tell you there okay now, I mean, maybe vegans who are really committed and don't have that reflux issue. Right. Uh, have, you, have, I, have you heard of that from other people not being able to digest that? Yes. Or is it, oh, okay. I've heard of it, but I can do vegan protein and oh, okay. it doesn't hurt me. Okay. I know that the quality and bioavailability is poor. Okay. So, uh, and that also doesn't mean have more. Uh, that just means it's, you know, your body's not going to be able to utilize it as well. Uh, one of the myths that, that vegans like throwing around is there's just as much protein in broccoli as there is in steak. Well, an eight ounce steak, which is like an appetizer for me, you'd need 15 pounds of broccoli to equal that same amount, right? But it's low quality protein, which isn't complete chain which really won't facilitate in the building of much muscle. So it's, it's kind of like a non... What about the, uh, the amino acid factor? Do... No, so I mean the complete so, chain, yeah. Okay, so the, the, the many of the vegan versions of protein then would lack the proper amino acids. Some of them, yes, some of them, no. The really expensive ones do tend to have something a little more complete, but it's... it's incredible amounts of refined food. Uh, the, the, the vegan friends that, that I have, I tell them, you can't get your nutrition by just eating vegetables because you're way under in your caloric intake. Like if it's literally just, just whole vegetables that you're eating, you can't get to your basal metabolic rate. So your body's suffering. So you have to have refined foods. Now, most of them find those refined foods in like Twinkies right? Or whatever, just cakes and, and just garbage. And so, and I think they think because they don't eat meat, they're healthy and they're just poisoning themselves. The other side is the fitness guys who work really hard to find more dense sources of vegan protein, like we're talking about, like these, like these protein products and powders. And uh, it's just a quality issue and they're just not getting it. Also, uh, and Dave, Dave Asprey mentions this, <clears throat> vegan athletes, their secret is they're 20. <laughs> His words, not mine. But he says, you don't see like a, like a 45-year-old vegan athlete. You see like really, really young ones. Well, when you're young, like there are, there are guys, I remember I, I, I played rugby in undergrad. There were guys on my team who had a six-pack, uh, top performers, best guys on the team, and uh, you know, pizza and beer. That was all I consumed. That's that was me, dude. College, right? I, and you probably I, had a six pack. I lived off crack, heroin, and Guinness, 
and cigarettes. Seriously? And, yeah. Oh, well, I used you to be, did yeah. have it. Oh, you, you, no, I was hardcore. You joke addiction no, 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 no. I was oh, hardcore. Wow, okay. I was hardcore. Yeah, that's, that's, but, but, that's the like, real thing. But all I ate was sugar and like I used to drink really fattening beer too, like Guinness. You know, I love stout beer like on tap. I'd drink, you know, yeah, 48. Yeah, Guinness is a meal. 48 of those a night. Yeah. And uh, I had a fucking six pack. Of course you did. And I would eat tons of yeah. uh, like, you know, pints of ice cream yeah. every kids, day. Kids can get away with it. It was incredible until, like I said, I was, you know, 27, 8, 9, 30. And I was like, wait, I looked down and be like, what the hell is this thing? Right. I look pregnant. So, yeah, I, I just want to reiterate eat whatever makes you happy, folks, listening to this. But I'm asking the question specifically for people that want to get big and like want to put on muscle, not yeah. just. Is it good for you? And I think from, I'm, I'm for, actually writing a book on this subject. Oh, cool. For is, me, the, the, the hard thing about being a vegetarian was that in order to get full, I had to eat a lot of foods that were inflammatory and really hard to digest. Sure. So I ended up eating a lot of beans and legumes and grains and things like that. Now, I didn't know it at the time, but I was mm-hmm. totally inflamed. I had back pain all the time. Sure. Um, I still have a bit of that, but it was much worse. Just my whole body just hurt all the time. Yeah. And then when I started getting off of those foods and started eating, once I found out that you could actually eat grass-fed meat, I'd never knew about that. I thought all right. meat was bad because it was all factory farm, GMO, corn-fed, soy-fed meat. Yeah. So I was like, therefore, all meat is horrific and I stopped it all. But I really could never feel full unless I ate the foods that are inflammatory. I couldn't eat a salad and feel full and I'm the same way now. I mean, well, You just can't get the calories. Dude, I don't feel you, you, full. Yeah, I mean, I'm you sorry. Yeah, it's just not, I can eat five not, avocados like, even now if I'm like, oh, maybe I've been eating a bit much meat and I say I want to eat, you know, avocados and some other yeah, foods that aren't legumes or grains or nuts and seeds and stuff like yeah. that. I literally, at 30 minutes later, I'm starving. The yeah. only thing that gets me full is seafood and meat. Yep. That's it. Yeah. With a lot of fat in it. Sure. And if there's not enough fat in it, I add fat, ghee, coconut oil, whatever. Sure. So it's weird. So that's that's why I'm always just curious about this because I don't see how a guy who's my size, I'm 6'2", 180, 185. Like I see guys that are much bigger and much more ripped that are vegan. And I'm like, dude, how do you get full? Aren't you starving all the time yeah. if you're living on glucose and, and not much of it, you know? Right. Weird. So anyway, yeah, I, I, the mystery is not solved. Uh, people do whatever you want, but... Um, in the context of this conversation, I have your perspective and I look forward to your book on it because I think it'll clear it up for people. And I'm definitely going to have like a preface specifically for vegans. Here's how to do it if you're vegan. Cool. And, right. Because it's like, I don't want anybody to be left out. I don't either. Yeah. I've yeah. interviewed a lot of, pro- and, I've interviewed yeah. Rich Roll and a lot of prominent vegans on the show and they seem very healthy and happy and they're doing great. I'm always just, they're like, it's a mysterious phenomenon to me that they're able to stay alive. How old is Rich? I think he's around my age, maybe 50, a couple really? years older, 50. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. you said only young guys look fit, I go, I, he's figured something out. I mean, he, he... Does he eat fish or is he true vegan? No, no. He doesn't do any animal products at all. Not even ghee or anything. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. And and his wife, Julie, who's lovely. She's been on the show as well. Um, I mean, he he's probably doing better because... I don't know if he cooks, but his wife, Julie, is an amazing, amazing vegan chef. Like she's one of the, she makes some of the only food I could actually ever eat without getting gas and like feeling really bad afterward that yeah. is vegan. So she, she's cracked the code. It might make it easier. I think if you can get, you know, um, nutrient dense, calorie dense vegan food that it tastes like fine cuisine, it's a little more doable. Just when I was doing it, yeah. I'm eating like gluten-free spaghetti or whatever, you know, I just, yeah. I just, I couldn't, 
I couldn't do it right. Yeah, so potato um, spaghetti. maybe it works for some people. All right. So my closing question for you, my friend, and thank you for spending so much time. Yeah. And uh, it's my favorite subject. Both these products. Well, are good. So you know, you it. have the passion. And like when we yeah. started, I said it could be an hour, hour and a half. We're about two hours in. And are so, we really? Yeah. Oh wow. But that's when I you, didn't even know. Yeah. When the time flies, uh, at least for the two of us, we yeah. know we're we're on track. But I do have one closing question that I've asked every single guest. And uh, all right, so I've learned a lot about health, uh, physicality in general. Uh, muscle building, bone health, all this stuff from mm-hmm. you. So you've been my teacher. You've been the teacher of our audience. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might recommend that our listeners go check out? And and they could range, you know, <laughs> anything from how to live a good life, how to be healthy, anything that's influenced you, or you're like, you know what, people need to go read this or listen to this speaker or whatever it is. Okay. Well, I've worked with Tony Robbins for years. And love that dude. Yeah. I just got back from date with Destiny. Amazing, amazing man, that guy. It, it's, it, he's, he's, he asked me uh, the first time I met him, he says, what do you think I do for a living? I said, do, first I said, motivational speaker. He goes, never call me that. I said, uh, well, you, you've been referred to as a coach before. So he said, okay, I can accept coach, but really what I do is I travel the world and find the best shit for people to do the best shit for people to think like the processes, the protocols, whatever that people need to do to live the best life. And I thought that was a really great job description. It's totally not what you see him necessarily applying on stage because he's instructing, but he says the real work is going out and finding what's best, then delivering that message. So it's the finding that's the hard part. That's the premise of this whole show. I yeah. I, I, I never heard him relay it. His, he his said thing it to me way. at his kitchen table. So that's cool. yeah, it's, he doesn't say that on stage. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, isn't that cool? Yeah, it, it was is. like yeah, he's definitely a guy who uh, a lot of his material was stuff like I had I had been applying and I just didn't know it had a name. Uh, and I learned a lot of great stuff through his material, but <clears throat> that was a really interesting perspective. Just hearing that. For so sure. he's definitely one of the guys. I really like Dr. Jason Fung. Oh, I don't know this one. Uh, so he's a Canadian uh, nephrologist. I don't and, even know what that is. <laughs> uh, let, let's call him a kidney doctor. Oh, okay. But he looks at a lot of uh, type 2 diabetes and, um, and a lot of major kind of chronic dysfunctions. And he's the guy who's really been pushing longer fasting. And I mean, I'm talking like two weeks of like nothing. Just water? Water and coffee. Okay. Yeah. I could get behind the coffee part. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think I could live off coffee as long as there's some fat in it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, he's, he's trolled endlessly, but it's usually by people who just don't understand the... uh, Another thing you, you get when you're making references to academic literature is you get a lot of people who don't understand how to read academic literature or they don't understand that when a sentence has two references in it or a paragraph has two references in it and they try and pick apart one of the references it's like no dickhead there's two references so it's this and an observation made here and this and those two observations overlaid together comes to a conclusion but people don't understand that because they just don't know how to read like scientific documentation. If it was just a study comes out and then nobody's allowed to talk about that study in conjunction with anything else, well, how would we move science forward? 
We wouldn't. So, uh, in fact, every study references sometimes hundreds of other studies. Why do they do that? So, how to get on this? Well, he was your second oh, recommendation. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. yeah, second uh, Jason Fung, and so uh, <laughs> that, was, that was like I almost went on a rant there. <laughs> it's man. okay, I almost did too because uh, you brought up this other thread that I yeah. almost chased, and I'm so like, no, these, we got to end it. What 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 happens to him is he gets picked apart for referencing a certain study that was done with you know maybe a population that's morbidly obese or whatever, and that doesn't apply to everybody. And so he wrote the Obesity Code. You probably heard of his book, the Obesity Code. I don't think I have. Really? Oh, you got to check it out. It's not something I've. You need to have him on your podcast. Really? Oh yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, good. he's cool. Uh, and and really showing. Uh, so uh, growth hormone upregulation is really how I got connected with him. Mm-hmm. And in his work, and so it was the stabilization firing. And I know there's multiple axes of growth hormone and there's nutritional triggers. And I was looking at the nutritional triggers when I started researching what's really the optimum nutrition. I can, I can really connect with X3 so everybody gets absolutely the best results. And so that's why, and I have a slightly different approach to fasting. I, I call it insulin restriction instead of just fasting because... You know, there's bulletproof coffee and there's things like that. There's other ways to soften the blow of not having any calories in your system. One quick question on that note, just because someone who had a different perspective the other day said something intriguing and they were talking about fasting and it's someone that's done a lot of fasting and then, oh, dude, I did new research and I decided it's bad for you. He said that when you fast, that your body's going to want to get energy and so it's going to rob glycogen from your muscles. And so that if you're trying to build muscles, it's a really totally bad untrue. idea to fast. Totally untrue. In fact, when you're fasted, you go, your, 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 your fat stores are what to use. Keto, you automatically go into, even if you don't have a ketogenic diet, you automatically go into ketosis. And when you're in ketosis, you're using your body fat for fuel. So you're getting ketones out of your own endogenous yeah. fat stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Glycogen doesn't leave the muscle. Okay. Like I've done, I've done the longest fast I've done is six days not, with nothing other than coffee and water. I lost nothing. Huh. No, no muscle No gain whatsoever. loss. No. Oh, wow. Uh, in fact, I was using X3. I lost no strength either. I was firing on all cylinders. I was just living off my body fat. If it, if it were true that every time we didn't have calories that were ingested to be used to for activity. And we lost muscle every time we were void of that. We would all, and this is Dr. Fung's expression, we would all just be balls of fat. Because you store fat from eating, you know, eating too much or the wrong things or whatever. And then if every time you're void of food, you lose muscle. Just think of that, played over a long-term scale. Everybody would just be a sack of fat. It's like a stupid idea. Like, yeah, obviously that's not what's happening. So, uh, and I, I, I just, I, I don't like, you know, now scientists don't like analogies because frequently it's just an oversimplification, but that's actually, that's not really an analogy. It's just playing it out. Like, okay, let's broaden your, your, your model over like, you know, the lifetime of an individual it doesn't work. That's obviously not what happens. So uh, I really like his work. And, I, and I, I think that even though his protocols are meant for obese people, I think there's something really powerful to be learned from the rest of us. That's, I want to pull some of the best stuff that I learned from his work and apply it 
to a nutrition program that is just so fucking easy to follow. Like this is just like like the most compromised individual from a time perspective and a travel perspective will look at this and go, oh, I can do that. I can do that every day. That that's that's the goal of uh, what I'm putting together. So uh, that's that's the second guy, and I, I encourage everybody to read the Obesity Code. Cool. Yeah. And third, it's tempting to say Dave Asprey, but it'd be too easy for either of us to say Dave. And everybody who's listening is probably already familiar with Dave. So if I were to pick, but it would be the material Rhonda Patrick puts out, she's got a great, a great ability to dive into research and get it to a point where people can understand it. And she can also see like a lot of reporters will find a piece of research and it'll be like, you know, whatever, kale is good for you or kale is bad for you. And they didn't really read the study. They just read the title. And the title sometimes in an effort to be descriptive isn't, (laughs) or it's totally misleading. And so reporters do that. And Rhonda Patrick is like a totally awesome filter to go, yeah, everyone's saying this stuff, except here's what it actually means. And so she's, she's, uh, so I, I, I watch her videos and listen to her on every, every good podcast, especially when she's interviewed by somebody who's going to ask her some hard questions. Uh, Joe Rogan's actually really good at asking, even he's not trying to be a scientist, but he actually asked her some great questions. I agree. They're a great pair. Of yeah. This. Anytime really she's pushes on, pushes her yeah. to go, well, there's this and this and what we do, what we do know and what we don't know. I, I, I always like a scientist that says, we just don't know that yet. Because it's very easy for somebody who has a personality who who basically is in the in the practice of sharing information. She doesn't sell supplements or anything. She's an information source. It's very easy for an information source to just say, "Yeah, this is you know the way it is," or "This is like to sound more authoritative." A true scientific mind will say, "This is what we." Maybe not even this is what we discover. And I say this frequently. This is what this study found. These individuals had this effect. And this was the outcome of that study. Now, are there 10 other questions to ask if in a, in a real world example? Or what if these individuals lacked sleep? Or what if these individuals drank too much alcohol? Or what? Like the study didn't look at those variables. So we don't know. I really like the fact Dave does the same thing, but Rhonda really does it. Just absolutely crystal clear says, this is the small amount of information that we know. And all these other questions, we just don't know. Right. That's yeah, a sign of humility. Yeah. Say, I know this yeah. much and She's beyond that, I don't know. Cool. Great recommendations. Uh, last thing is, where can we find you? What websites, social media, any of that kind of stuff? Uh, find me. Uh, my my Facebook page is uh, Dr. John Jaquish, and my last name is spelled J A Q U I S H or D R J A Q I S H at uh, on Instagram. Yeah, awesome. and then of course to to find X three, it's X three bar dot com, and the discount code is Luke for fifty dollars off. Woo-hoo. Sweet, awesome. Dude. That's awesome. Thanks awesome, so, and thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. Something really funny happens when I do these interviews, you know, after I talk about a particular topic with a guest, especially one as enthusiastic and knowledgeable as John, 
I become obsessed doing their thing. So since I did this interview, I've been using this freaking X3 bar um, nonstop. And well, I won't say nonstop. Let me be honest. I use it a few days a week. Nonstop would mean like I'm doing it multiple times a day. And this thing's badass. So I want to remind you, if you guys want to check out the X3 bar for yourself, go to x3bar.com. Use the code Luke and save yourself 50 bucks, which is pretty cool. Um, What else can I tell you? Oh, if you didn't hear the intro, make sure that you go watch the video of this interview on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Make sure that you subscribe to that, of course. Like you should be subscribed to this podcast if you're, if you're a loyal listener. But what you really want to watch is the training sessions because John takes me through the OsteoStrong circuit training, I guess you could call it. And then the X3 bar, we do a bunch of moves on that. And I just get completely destroyed. And you got to see John because this guy walks the walk. I mean, he is probably made of like 95% muscle. Dude is freaking shredded. And I, you know, I don't know that my body is capable of being that way, but I'd like to get maybe uh, 10% of that kind of muscle mass going. So you want to see John, you want to see the interview and you definitely want to see the training session. Go over to uh, YouTube, search my name and you'll find my channel. And then I'd like to thank our sponsors, Blue Blocks. You can go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com. And use the code LIFESTYLIST, all one word, to save 15% off your blue blocking eyewear. And they make some really cool looking glasses and also prescription, reading glasses, etc. So um, if you've been listening to this show or any of the other health experts, this blue light thing is real gnarly and it's super easy to fix. You just throw on some uh, wacky sunglasses and you're good to go. Um, although they're not actually wacky anymore. Back in the day, if you wanted to block blue light at night, you had to get these horrendous like safety goggles off, off Amazon for $8. They probably didn't even block the right spectrum of light either, whereas blue blocks glasses do, and they look normal. They're like Ray-Bans or something. And then, of course, our two old standby um, sponsors on the show, Four Sigmatic. You can go to foursigmatic.com forward slash the lifestylist. Enter the code, the lifestylist, and save 15%. And then our friends at Organify, that's organify.com forward slash Luke. The code there is lifestylist for 20%. So love our sponsors. Please support them. And if you want to support the show, you know, I always give this little plug at the end, but I think one of the most powerful things you can do is posting the show to social media, texting it to a couple friends as you listen to it, email the website, lukestory.com to a couple people. And definitely follow me on Instagram. I have uh, a lot of educational and inspiring stuff that I post, especially in the stories. Um, I, I really try to make a story out of just about anything I do that I think would be interesting. For example, uh, I just used the True Dark light stickers and light panels to completely biohack my kitchen. And I put that on my Instagram stories. It's also still in my highlights, by the way. If you click on my highlights on Instagram, um, there'll be one that's called biohacking. And that's me in action doing all this zany stuff. So I hacked the blue light uh, on my uh, stove hood. There's a fluorescent light on there that was really heinous. It's now red. I took apart the LED lights inside my refrigerator and made those red. Next up, I'll be doing a video on hacking the blue light that comes off the dishwasher at night, which basically illuminates the entire kitchen in bright blue light, which is really whack. So I love those true dark stickers and things like that. So follow me on Instagram. It's at Luke Story. And a um, little sneak, uh, or a little inside information here is that 95% of the time I live stream sneak peeks of these interviews. So if you had been following me on Instagram when I did this interview with John Jayquish, you could have watched the whole thing live with all the 
bloopers and mistakes and crazy stuff that happens, dogs barking, people coming in and out, all the stuff that gets edited out of the final pretty, hopefully professional sounding interview. If you follow me on Instagram, you can watch those live and you can also do so by joining my Facebook group, the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. I also live stream most of the interviews in there. So there you go. Now you know where to find everything. More than anything, as we close the show, I just want to thank you so much for your kind time and attention. There are tens of thousands of podcasts you could be listening to. And the fact that your ears are tuned into my voice right now means so much to me. And uh, you are supporting me in achieving my goals and dreams with discovering information like this today and sharing it with the world. So thank you so much. And I'll see you next Tuesday where we get down with some EMF protection, harmonizing with scalar waves featuring Mark Langdon. That's number 198 next Tuesday. Make sure you subscribe to this show so you don't miss that episode or any episode to follow. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net. 